Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. My name is Dave Hanrowdy and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 371 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Back after the quiz last week, Zara Hedeman's Reign of Terror. Spoilers for the quiz last week. And uh, we're moving on. We're moving on in the world. We're moving on to regular format No Encore. Busy episode coming. And I'm very excited to bring on to the show. Um, how do I do this intro? I mean, like, I, I kind of want this to be off the cuff. Uh, someone who I think is uh, one of Ireland's great songwriters. <laughs> what? <laughs> I do. Oh, it's, not mean. Who I think is one of Ireland's great songwriters, uh, but also, you know, like a, a really, a, a great DJ, of course, as well. Uh, just a great person. And, and genuinely, like, you know, truly one of my really good friends who has, who's, who's been, then, been there for me increasingly in recent years. I, I have a lot of love for this man. He is... Kieran McGuinness of De Laurentos and now Driven Snow fame. Hello, Kieran. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Kieran. That was nice. That's that Sonic nice. Architect Adam, of whose intro I will be doing much less of. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, it's all right. I don't need it. I'm I love. Here. I love you too. But I'm a fixture in the background. And I know my my, my love for you is established. Of course, and, and, and absolute. <laughs> Resolution. <laughs> um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank. I didn't realize we were doing tops off, and it's actually really freeing. To, it's very warm. It's very warm. It is very warm. But uh, yeah, welcome back to the show. Uh, we're going to talk about lots of things on this episode. Uh, we'll be talking about Driven Snow, your brand new project, which is really interesting and lots of nice things happening there. And uh, we're going to talk about, you know, top five songs that aged badly this week after we had a bit of a bit of a fight over what to pick because oh, Jesus, that's a fight yeah. <laughs> that's that's the nicest fight I've ever had yeah uh, Kieran had some really good ideas and my brain just wasn't really uh, up to speed with them so I was like uh, you, you presented some other ideas yeah and one of those ideas was top five songs that aged badly so that's what we're going to go with yeah yeah I just think that it is 
I just think that it, the topic is kind of fantastic. But the other thing is, I think that music sometimes gets really calcified. You know, people go, this is what that, this is what this is. And it just stays like that forever. And it takes ages for things to be kind of looked at again or, um, you know, properly sort of, I guess, uh, appraised. So, um, yeah, so I thought it'd be kind of fun to do that. And also there's a couple of songs that I cannot believe people released and I thought it'd be funny to kind of talk about that. So. Yeah, we'll get to it all later on. Uh, like I say, there's lots in this on this episode. So I guess before we get to the news, a couple of items. Uh, first of all, I went to a gig. So I did. Woo! That's right, yeah. I, I feel like I go to gigs less these days, but I went to a gig because... First one in a while, right? It feels like it. It was supposed to be Pusha T, but we all know what happened oh, there. Listen, let, don't mention the war. Uh, my brother managed to snag last-minute free tickets to Pet Shop Boys, and he called me on Father's Day, an, an unenjoyable day, I will say. And um, so that was a nice kind of little, you know, change of mood, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I'd planned. I'd planned to go into this week and be like, you know what? No nights out. Going to just chill. Going to just take it easy. Back to the gym. No booze. It's going to be great. And then my brother was like, I just got uh, two free tickets to Pet Shop Boys. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, of course. They're doing their fucking greatest hits. So I went down on the Monday. Uh, to Three Arena, and it was a tremendous show, I have to say. Were you up in the sitting? Or no, we're down? Down, down on the standing ground floor. And I will say as well, um, having gone off my no booze rule immediately, because, you know, you're at a gig, <laughs> the trick, the trick, it has been previously mentioned, it, this is the thing, right? Here's the trick. If you, you know, if you go out to the, to the bar during a show at a busy Three Arena, right, and you get like two pints because you're being tactical, you're getting a pint for you and a pint for your mate, whatever, um, always drink responsibly. Here's the thing, right? If you come back with just two of them, one in each hand, no one's going to fucking move for you. They're going to look at you like you've killed their mother. However, if you get four of them and have the thing, like your Homer Simpson at a football game, I saw people pushing their wives out of the way. Like, this man <laughs> this man has got a place to be. Like, they, they part the seas like fucking Moses. It's crazy. So yeah. I did that, and then my brother did it later on, and he was like, you were right. And I was like, let me tell you, it's the hack. We had a, we had a hack for that, which was... Um, uh, if you look like you're kind of just pushing aimlessly, people like are like unhappy to move. But if you look like you're kind of like, you know, Tony, yeah, and you're just kind of like, you're, yeah, yeah, coming up to, you know, and you push past with purpose and with the direction and almost nearly pointing ahead of you. Yeah. We got to the front of so many gigs. Dahi and I did that at Nine Snails in, in Amsterdam. We pretended our friend was up near the middle yeah. and we were like, hey, hey, and then eventually we just stopped and we were like, Trent Reznor. <laughs> <laughs> so can we talk about Trent Reznor for a second? Well, it's in the news. It's in the news. We'll get to that. But, I, but basically, I was like, I got ahead of myself there. Uh, <laughs> it's Nine Snails lyric, everybody. Uh, so here's the thing, right? I. Uh, yeah, like I remember one stage, I was kind of, yeah, you have to work a bit of charm into it because I was coming back and this woman was like, oh, rather you than me. And I was like, bad idea, I know. And then literally as people were just like, this, like, it's as if I was trying to save someone's life and I had to get through, but I did it. Great show, by the way. They do a Pet Shop Boys, they do a, um, a mashup of U2's Where the Streets Have No Name and Can't Take My Eyes Off You. Oh, uh, good covers. Magic, just yeah. magic. Good, a solid chorus. Played all the hits. What, like, what a fucking thing. And I will say as well, it was a really nice full circle thing for me and my brother because like 10 or 12 years ago, when I was a hot press as, as, as a baby intern, um, a baby intern just of... Just a boy of... <laughs> just of a boy 10. of... Just a boy of 27 years or whatever it was. Um, I, um, uh, I, uh, I went to take that in Croke Park to review it and Pet Shop Boys with the support act that brought my brother, but we missed the Pet Shop Boys. That's a pretty Pet Shop Boys support. And that's a like an stacked. That's an unbelievable support. Actually. And the Take That Show was fucking amazing. It was in the progress. Is that the one tour. where they had the big machine yes, thing? Big Robot Man. Yeah. The return, the return tour. It, wasn't it was it? because yeah. the way it worked was one well, no, of the return tour for the band would have been like around the 
patience era, but this was when Robbie came back to the band. Okay, the return to work tour, tour sounds like uh, <laughs> sounds like a, you know uh, something they had on their P forty five. They were like, yeah. <laughs> we're actually returning to work now. Yes. Um, no, basically it was like uh, the first part of the show. It was the four lads. The middle part of the show was a solo Robbie Williams gig, and then the last part of the show, which went on a bit long, I will say. Hold on a second. The- and then the last part of the show this. was there was a so this is a ref- reformation of the original five yeah sorry I, I, and the album was progress which was really good and it had was the, he on that as well yeah it had the flood on it remember that song the flood really good no you do oh fuck do I no yeah, you do. I don't think so yeah. what does it go like oh, no I can't do it I can't do, do it? it no I, I actually I, 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 <laughs> I love when Dave sings yeah no some of that um, I don't know the lyrics. Adam will get the lyrics for me and <laughs> hand them to me. Like like breaking news. Oh, 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 oh. Karaoke style. Well, it's holding back the flood. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, Learning how to dance wow. the way. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, really, really uh, nice. yeah. There was more of them than us. <laughs> See, you got me going now. Yes. Um, it's a wonderful song. What a wonderful band. It's a wonderful time. Let me tell you. <laughs> Go yeah. as you take that live. Although now Bands there's just the three of them. Well. Bands that they age well. Although they're fucking Tories though. But what, what are you going to do? I mean like... So Rob Williams, like mid-show set. I love how I'm reviewing a gig from 12 years ago. <laughs> Four stars. And then I came back and it was all the five at the end of it. And it was really, really good. Pet Shop Boys were amazing. Great crowd as well. Really kind of sound, chilled out. Monday? Monday, yeah. yeah. We're back now in 2023. <laughs> so yeah, I went to a gig. That was, that's what I did. But I also, to be fair, you know, I say I don't go to gigs too much, but I did go to a gig a few months ago in the Workman's Cellar and I saw the wonderful Dublin Live debut of a band called Driven Snow. And they sound... But they sound a bit like this. That song is In Moonlight by Driven Snow, the duo of Kieran McGuinness and his wife, Emily Aylmer, yeah. formerly of Republic of Luce. You are, of course, currently of De Laurentos. Uh This is an interesting project. But before we get to the project, uh, can you explain your bloodlust at the end of that song in which you appear to be inciting a riot against all of the landlords in the country or something? Uh, I just thought it was kind of humorous, you know. Like, look, I mean, it's a that song is... It feels like it's starting to get to the point where lots of people are writing songs about um, about how shitty the landlord situation is and all that. And like that song is, you know, we had to move out of the city uh, uh, because we wanted to continue to be musicians and we wanted to continue sort of the life that we, we had, I suppose, up until COVID. And you can't do that in Dublin. So, you know, we're lucky, you know. Uh, our situation isn't as bad as others but like you also work jobs I mean like like not to paint the picture of Bohemia in case anybody's wondering you know it's like you like you, you have a you have a busy life you oh no do. yeah no so absolutely I've never had a 9 to 5 before but during Covid like uh, I ended up you know 
going and getting a nine to five job, which was, I don't know, I think I was probably ready to do that. You know, like being a musician is like it's unbelievably good and uh, I loved every minute of it. I've been a full time musician, um, but just the uncertainty of it as well is it's hard. And then suddenly when I was getting a paycheck, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like uh, we always subscribe to this sort of um Myself and Neil would have loads of conversations like this in Del Rento. It's this, the kind of American idea of being in a band, which is like, you know, like the Chicago scene all had, they were all academics, like people in the Decembrists or Lamb Chop. We stayed in, um, uh, when we played in Chicago, we stayed in uh, the keyboard player, I think, in Lamb Chop's house, you know, and they're, they have jobs and they're really proud of their jobs and they have careers outside of music. And I think that's like, that's a good thing to do because then you don't put all the pressure on the music, you know, and it's not like, this sort of be all end all that like takes all your kind of uh, takes all your energy. So, yeah, this is this project w- with Driven Snow has instantly been different to to Delorento's. And like I love Delorento's and the last album, uh, like we turned ourselves inside out, like worked really hard. Like, this is True Surrender, which everyone should go and listen to. By the way, I'm just going to yeah. keep plugging the band. Yeah. And Driven so Snow. Like, Everything Kieran does. Listen, his show on Nova, the guest list every Sunday, yeah. which I occasionally I'm guest on. My parents, you know, <laughs> listen to that. But um, yeah, so like just on the band, we sort of finish up True Surrender and the tour around the end of 20, uh, 2019, 2020. We sat in Ross's bed in his bedroom. We listened to a chunk of songs for the new, the next uh, uh, Rento's album. We'd actually been over just like about six months before we were in New York and uh, we had, uh, we got, we were going to be working with this uh, agent over there and he was like, I want you to just forget about the next album. I want you to write hits because he said, what you do is really good. And he was very complimentary, but he said, you know, the stuff you do isn't exactly pop and it isn't, it isn't pop enough to be pop and it is an alternative. It's melodic indie alternative whatever you know and he's like do what Beck does and he should play this Beck songs and he's like Beck has and he, he I think he worked with Beck and he was like he has absolute pop songs and then he has an album full of really interesting alternative stuff he's like do that so give me a pop song and I'll play it on the other station so we went and we started to write pop songs except everything we did ended up being you know kind of nice melancholic and it was just we found it inauthentic and then but it was good because we wrote all these songs for the next Stellar Enters album. Then, uh, you know, 2020 happened. Um, and me and Emily were stuck, obviously, at home. And we started, you know, we thought we would write, uh, we wanted to do an album of, like, interesting covers, you know, because I love doing stuff with Emily. Emily's an amazing singer and arranger. And uh, we show, we met a, a friend of ours and played him a couple of songs. And he was like, like, this is really good, but, like, like write your own stuff. I think it would be really good, and we just started to do it, and it was really funny. Like I don't even remember, I don't even remember how it just started doing it, and it started being good, and and we enjoyed it. And the first song we wrote together in that way was trying, and I I really like the idea of a song that's um uh like it has very little um production on it. It's just. It, it lives or dies on the melody and the relationship with the, between the melody and the uh, harmonic progression and the most interesting but but simple, like not a basic, but most interesting and simple rhythm that it needs and then kind of go from there. But like, you know, 
really focus on the song and the melody. And I, I you know, we, we've pretty much done the album now, and uh, oh, it's 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 cool, and you know, we're kind of proud of it. So it's actually just been a really nice experience, and it's been so different to Delorento's, um, and uh, like Del- I, like I, I love like the lads are my best friends, and uh, I've been really really lucky to kind of have that, you know. Yeah, le- kind of. I was gonna say late into my life, <laughs> late into my life. <laughs> but you know, like you know, past your kind of twenties, like you know, having that group of friends and whatever. And I love making music with them, but it is like it is a, you know, it's its own thing. Like, and it's it's there's a bit of pressure behind it, and there's you know, there's there's stress, and there's expectation, and there's thinking about live shows or whatever. Um, and often, often there's lots of joy as well. But with this, it was just. Let's do some cool music together. Yeah, and, and there there is also a gorgeous cover on the album, which we'll get to. Oh, sometime. don't tell you. Don't well, tell I, I, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I, I, I didn't give any details. You play it live. I mean, I, the point is, right? Didn't you that night at that gig? Yeah, but I mean, the great gig, by the way. You know. So hang on. Uh, what, what I want to ask you, though, um, I, you know, I feel like you maybe already answered, but nonetheless, I'll, I'll ask this nonetheless. I mean, like, do you feel? Do you think? I mean, like, we li- we live in a time when, like, you know, new bands, new acts, kind of have to have some kind of hook, you know. You gotta have a hook. You gotta have a gimmick. Do you think that uh, entering into a marriage and having children will ultimately justify this musical path that you have? Uh, oh yeah, I mean, like, you know, I mean, let's drop the pretense. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, I think it was uh, as a career, financial career decision, getting married and having children is, is it's a difficult one to justify. But um, I know look, uh, it, it is tricky, and being in a band with your wife for playing gigs. Uh, is difficult because uh, someone has to mind the kids, and you know, uh, it's it's a uh, it's a pain in the arse. But look, it's we, like the tour was great. We've got another couple of gigs coming up, and you know, I put it on the internet or something. Are they are the dates out? They aren't out. Um, well, keep an eye on it, folks. But yeah, check. <laughs> keep it the Google go, button. Go type things into the internet. Driven Snow yeah, live. Do, yeah, but when you it's funny if you type in Driven Snow to uh, to Twitter, it is. It's a favourite phrase of the sort of right wing. Oh, like, no. white as the driven snow. Joe Biden says he's white as the driven snow, but oh, great. really. And, uh, I, couldn't so, think, I couldn't think of less right wing people than, yeah, than, yeah, than you no, we're not, and, and no. your wife, <laughs> but, Emily. Uh, but I was like, because uh, uh, I was like, I wonder is any, like, uh, you know, did we get mentioned on the blog? Oh, okay. It's all, okay. <laughs> it's all people with, uh, you know, American Patriot uh, image and stuff. So look at it. It sounds like you can make a killing over there, though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's that's what this Maybe you could change some minds. Yeah. You know? Like persuadable the, voters, you know? Possibly, <laughs> that's what I'm all about. Persuadable voters. No, uh, yeah, it's, it look, um, the reaction to that's been nice. And as well, it's much more of a cottage industry than, than De Laurentiis. Um, uh, you know, I think any of the albums in Delorentis have always been lots of people together doing stuff. And, you know, luckily enough, there's been labels and things doing stuff. Um, but this is just me and Emily, you know, sitting there going, Did we, oh, we got played, we got played last night on this station, you know, and it's love, it's it's cool, you know, it's it's nice. And uh, and there is an album on the way. There's an album on the way. Uh, as soon as we can get it out, final takes a while, but, I, you know, I, I'm kind of hoping it would have been out before the end of the year, but it's unlikely now. Uh, but it is it's it's in the can and we're going to start the second album actually soon so uh, that's kind of cool as well cool and um, not to ask you the question the hate being asked but I feel like someone's probably going to be screaming and wondering Delorento's future yeah uh, I mean <laughs> I don't know yeah like it was funny the last when we came back after COVID the first Delorento's gig back I was for the first time in years I was shaking with nerves and I I never I like you know 
like the, playing on stage is my, sort of my happy place. I, like I love it. Um, like I couldn't talk to 20 people in a room. I wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, but I can play a gig with songs that I've written and I'm proud of. Uh, but playing the first Dead Enders gig back after COVID, I was terrified. And Sorka had been on before us and we watched Sorka. Sorka Richardson. Sorka Richardson, sorry. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the first song, everyone clapped and I went, oh my God, clapping is really loud and annoying. Holy crap. <laughs> uh, and it just felt so weird. Like it, it had been a proper two years. So... Yeah, look, I'm really looking forward to the next Dead Hunters gig. I think that the Dead Hunters album, unfortunately, has been a little bit, the next Dead Hunters album has been canalised by, uh, I think I can say Rose solo album, Rose doing a solo album, and uh, really excited about that. Um, and this album, you know, there's a couple of songs in this album that, I don't know if they would have been in the next Dead Hunters album, but they were certainly in the kind of not yet in the Dead Hunters album. So, um so I don't know, but yeah, there will there'll be stuff. And it's yeah, like I'm just being greedy. I love the other rentals, and I do love this new project. I think it is a beautiful union in many many respects, and uh, I will be at the next live gig. Even though I have a terrible track record, I've gone to see Delarantos live. You know this. I do. Uh, you, I don't. I don't. I'm not but I went. People's. Uh, I, I don't went, I, people. <laughs> I think I'd be in trouble if I was like, I, the gig was good, but that bloody guy didn't go to my gig. I was at the Driven Snow gig, and I'll be at the next Driven Snow gig. Yes. And everyone should go and check out Driven Snow. It's a great project, and uh, we will hastily move into the music news section and bring the tone down by quite some distance. I'm sorry, in advance. Start spreading the news. Okay, we got to talk about it. it. Has to be talked about, I'm afraid. We're slightly late to it to some degree because last week, of course, there was a quiz, which meant there was no news. But there was uh, a tragic passing, uh, a national icon when it comes to Irish music, Christy Dignam, passed away uh, at the age of 63, which is no age, of course. He'd been terminally ill for quite some time. Frontman of Aslan. And you saw you saw the reactions. You saw the funeral footage. You saw the streets lined with people. You've seen the tributes pour in. Uh, you know, I mean, I stopped in my tracks when I heard the news, I mean, even though he'd been ill for quite some time. Uh, what was your reaction? And I, like, 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 what do you think about it? Ostensibly, we're going to talk about Dave Fanning and what he said about Chris oh, Dignan. Yeah, but before yeah, we get to that, stuff. before we get to that, I mean, like, you know, where do you, like, where do you stand on the Chris Dignan? It's not even a debate, but like, I mean, like, like, how, what did he mean to you, if anything? Oh, like, Chris Dignan was a brilliant singer. Like, he was a, an, like, I kind of feel like that wasn't talked about enough. Um, like, his range is amazing. His power, uh, his control of his voice. It was kind of. It was kind of, uh, uh, it was he was a really well-trained singer, like, you know, like he got proper training and stuff. Um, and uh, he was brilliant. And he was able to kind of, you know, rev up to a kind of passionate kind of level uh, on a song. And, and he was great. And there's a couple of really, really great Aslan songs. Um, there's a song called Hold On. I finished the show with last week and it's gorgeous. Uh, and it was really kind of emotional, connected to what it was about, you know. Uh, like with the context of now um, and of course This Is is a brilliant song there's loads of great Aslan songs and you know uh, Dave Fanning like I thought it was it was such a kind of a weird <laughs> it was such a weird thing well let's let's set the tone for this because essentially what you're referring to is and I assume I assume everyone listening to this is aware of this but just in case you're not and I, sorry this is one of those podcast things I always do on the I assume everyone knows but this has been talked about you know so you know it'd be surprising if you haven't heard this but we have a few clips from this uh, tribute quote unquote uh, it was in the Claire Byrne show on RT 
the day after he passed away, I believe. Tribute. It was a, it was a, a section. A, a they had like section. three or four different contributors, and one of whom was Dave Fanning. And so, like, it's a long enough clip, but I've 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 cut it down to a, a few of them. So we'll we'll take the first one first. And I should say as well, by the way, we're going to focus on the negative here in terms of what was said. But it's not like he didn't say anything positive about Aslan. He did talk about a lot of their achievements, but he also kind of took away from it. And there were areas that he straight into that I just found to be quite, and I, I and many others found to be quite baffling. So here's uh, here's the first one, chronologically speaking. A ladder. Then they got their kind of deal and they were with the record company. They brought out an album. They did well with the single This Is and all that happened. And then I know this is a time for eulogising, but I don't want to deify the guy either. He blew it royally. And he would say later on that, you know, because of a, I was abused at the age of six by a neighbour and this hole in my life for ages. So I filled it not by trying to get high with heroin, but just by filling it with heroin to keep myself away from the memory of it. And I remember saying to him, are you sure about that now, Christy? Are you sure you're not trying to, trying to pull the wool over my eyes? He said, look, you can look at it that way if you like. That's what I'm saying. So like basically what I'm saying is you have two things about people who go on heroin. Get rid of them or do the best you can with them. I just He just blew it and he left the band. For five so, years. I mean, look, I, I'll say at the outset here that like I really am all for, you know, fair and balanced criticism in the face of, you know, like, you know, when, when someone passes away, like the, the, the natural reaction is to is to celebrate them and venerate them and that's what we do and like uh, that is what we should do by but and large. But that's a human thing because yeah, you have, I, to, you have I, to believe that your life is worth something. And, yes. And that you, like I think people want to see other people looking at the best in someone because that's what you the way you want to be exactly yeah and like in fairness I do this like I was on fucking The Last Word in Today FM an hour after the news broke that he passed away and of course you know I wasn't being insincere I was you know you talk up the person you talk up you use words like icon when it comes to Chris Dignam because I think he genuinely was but sure in like the, the, the gut reaction when someone passes of this nature is to talk them up uh, however, I'm o- I'm okay with the idea of like, well, let's have a considered reflection on the, you know, like a written piece you might put together in which, because the start of what Dave Fanning says here, you know, he blew it royally. You know, it's 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 an insensitive thing to say, but, you know, you could make the argument. You could make the argument that Aslan didn't, you know, quote unquote, hit the heights that they quote unquote should have. But where he loses me and where he loses many others is when he just fucking strays into bizarre questioning about you know his drug addiction and even like the way he speaks about heroin addicts I wonder whether child abuse it's like he 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 swung for way too many fences there and missed all of them but I think that um, now okay so first things first the apology that he put out afterwards and I think I just want to say should be clarified he has apologised he has apologised and the apology felt like a very heartfelt it did it felt like he was like I'm absolutely wrong here I I blew it you know yeah like grand you know like he should have said that and he should have um I actually think Dave Fanning would be quite embarrassed about this when he looks back because it was so unfair. It was, it was unkind. I think a little bit. I really like Dave Fanning. You know, growing up, listening to Dave Fanning was a really big deal for me. You know, in late nineties, early two thousands, listening to the stuff that he played in the radio was really important. You know, um, but I think this is just a bad. Like, I don't know if he was having a bad day, but like you can't. Like, I don't think you can publicly call someone's. You know. Uh, tr- struggle with you know you know mental health after child abuse and and heroin addiction and also like there's two things you can do with heroin addicts like well, what are you talking about like get rid of them or get rid of yeah, them it's, like, it's, like, what, it's like, very it's 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 very telling and it's just kind of like, like where does he get like, like I have to say like you know I would have a lot of time for Dave Fanning but um, I think that I think he blew it I think he royally blew it, Dave. You know, on this. No, he interview. did. Like, like he definitely did. I mean, like, yeah. And, and again, you can't. Like, it was like you can't. 
like I I don't think like Chris Dickham had horrible shit happen to him. Like like this isn't a matter for debate really, you know. Yeah, and yeah. to and to especially as well, it's it's also like, it's like the guy's not here to fucking respond for himself. But also, yeah, like like it's it there's a like talk about like it's it's crossing the line to an extreme degree. And, and even with this segment of the podcast, I'm like, well, what am I going to get out of cross examining him, especially after he's apologized? But I do think we should talk about it. Uh, let's have the second clip. But like a defined made it. They never made it outside of Ireland. Nothing. They didn't mean a thing elsewhere. Sure, they played Australia and they played other places, but they actually didn't mean a thing. So I think they would have loved to have made it, but they always gave out to people who said, you know, why do you ask this question about made it? I mean, what is made it? A residency at the Baggett in Dublin, a gig at the Three Arena, you know, uh, five nights in 99, they did a Vicar Street and all that. That's brilliant, made it. That's fantastic. Yeah, uh, that, this is the bit that, uh, that frustrates me the most, I think. Like, the other stuff that he said, felt like a bad day. Like, I don't think he would ever say those things again, you know? I think he would correct himself every time. But I do think there is an opinion about bands making it. And it's the weirdest thing, like, and it's like it was decided by, you know, middle-class white journalists um, in the 80s and 90s in, you know, UK, you know, magazines. Because it doesn't, it, it, it exists in the kind of UK and Irish scene much more than anyone else. This idea that you make it, and if you don't make it, what are you what are you doing here? You know, not to challenge you on this, but is not also an American thing. No, um, America is, and it's a big thing. It's a, a, a it's a big thing about you know work as well. And there's a thing that you you either you've either done it or you haven't done it. You know, and so but in America, like people don't, you know, they have a much more kind of open way, especially in the eighties and nineties. Indie bands would always have other things going on. They would always do. You know, it was never this like be all and end all. There's a weird thing in the UK, I think, and, so, and in Ireland, where if you haven't made it by a certain time, what are you still doing here? You know, and then the the converse to that, I think that's the right word, converse. The other end of that, inverse. The inverse. The I other like, thing. I, I like converse though. Uh, the converse, and um, the people are wearing, um, <laughs> is that uh, you know when you when you do get a hit, then you stay way 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 longer because you're seen as like having to 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 work that out or to to continue that. So you have all these weird bands who had one hit who play forever, you know. And I just think that it's it's a completely wrong attitude. Like the reality of of music. Uh, is is the making is that being able to do it for be able to make music for any length of time is the making it is ma is making it you know um and like there was such a snobbery to Aslam when they came back um after Christy came back in whatever it was 94 they they played all these pubs like it was like that's such snobbery to say that they were a pub band you know they came back and they played all these pubs they played the bag it in but like like that wouldn't be seen like that. I just don't think it would be seen like that anywhere else. Like it's seen like as a bad thing, like you're desperate or something. And there was this, I always felt, like when I was really young, I went to see an Aslan show in the old mill in Scaries. And I was too young to go into it, but everyone was going in and we could all sneak in and sat at the back and drink. And it was my first, I think it was my first gig. Um, uh, and they, like, you know, he was amazing. Like, and I was at a proper rock show. Like, and he didn't, he, there was no... Uh, he had his top off, you know, he was like singing his head off, standing on the drums or whatever. And I was like, geez, that was brilliant, you know. Uh, but like, that was cool. Like, that was a really amazing thing to be able to do. And there's bands like that everywhere. And it doesn't take away in any way from the music they make. I, like, I just think it's 
I just think it's just a weird snobby thing like the people don't make it like is he not is he, in this clip though is he not kind of saying that they did make it is he not kind of saying that you know no he's doing that thing like he's 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 propagating the myth the but he's kind of saying like residency at Ficker Street or whatever like you know three well, like, that, like that's great for them you know I think I think that that's do you, th- you think it's yeah, pat- there's a hidden there's a hidden you, you think it's stab a, in there I like, think, like yeah. a pat on the head kind of thing like no it's it's that thing is like I think that's great I think they did great you know okay. like you know pe- people will say they didn't they never made it but like. But that's the tag, like, like that is the, that is people say that about Ireland. Like they should have been quoted next to you too. And they like every band they that didn't you travel like, outside you of think Ireland should be you know? every band that you like that isn't like you know Coldplay big. You think should be bigger. Like that's the way it is. Like you don't measure the quality of a band by how good they are. You know by how by how big they are. But is it not more of a is it not more of a like we think Ireland are, are our world beaters? Not to go all hot press here, but like is it not a case of oh it's a shame that they weren't bigger because they had a, they had everything. You know like they. They should have, quote unquote, should have. I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't see. Like, it doesn't. Like, like, it doesn't. I don't think it works like that. You can never tell the band that's going to make it. Like, I think Oasis, for example. I think Aslan are, are are a similar world to Oasis. Like, I think Aslan actually did. They really did maximize their potential. I think you know, they're, like they're not. You know, no disrespect to Aslan. I don't mean this in in in, in any disrespect, but they're not like a a, a sort of a genre bending sort of you know always take crazy risks kind of band they, they weren't that like you know they were really kind of like melodic you know it was quite pop you know but in a kind of a you know Rolling Stones kind of way and I think that they did amazing for what they were doing because you know they had a kind of a vulnerability and they had a um what's the word they had a kind of a they had this thing of like you know, they were always had their heart in their sleeve, you know, or whatever. Like it was very emotional stuff and it was passionate, mostly because of Christy. And people like connect with that, like especially men, you know, they have a lot of men have a problem with, you know, being uh, kind of emotionally, you know, uh, connected and able to uh, express themselves. So when a band comes along that is is able to do that and is nakedly able to do that and people really really connect with them yeah. and they it allows you to release it allows as well you, and like Oasis are an amazing example of that and I think Azan could have been you know like that for that many people they, and I agree but you know I think in other ways I don't know if it's nece- necessarily Aslan had the I think they were a very Irish thing uh, in, in the way that they are and that happens with Irish bands sometimes when they're like that when they're really you know kind of that connective and vulnerable and later in his life you know Christy again became uh, you know this incredibly vulnerable figure who was able to talk about the struggles he went through and, and people love that and, yeah he and did it with he did it with such command such dignity such yeah, power dignity. such truth such honesty fearlessness all of those adjectives do actually apply and he came across as someone who would give you the time of day and we played with them uh, and they were sound and you know one, one time we were we were both up for um 2008 Irish Act of the Year Meteor Awards isn't it nice and I went along the Celtic Tiger of Awards yeah and I was there and I had my eyeliner on and I thought it was you know really cool uh, in my 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 stripy jumpers and my skinny jeans and uh, man thought he was in Fallout Boy I thought he was in Fallout and I went to the toilet and Billy from from Aslan came in and he was beside me and he I can't remember exactly I wish I could fucking remember the exact line but he was like he leaned out, he was like, you, you lads better not get that fucking award or something like that, you know? And he was like, ah, you know, it was like cool. Like, and I was like, oh, this is Aslan, you know? It was, they were sound and they were down to earth and they lived, you know, a life of being connected to the people that they were kind of connected to. And that was amazing. And when people have a band like that 
uh, or the their football team or whatever, the thing that allows them to release. Like Damien Dempsey is similar. Like people like that, people connect with them in an incredible way. And that like, like it meant that they could kept going, but it also meant that their their arenas were those venues, those local places. And it made, it kind of, it suited the band to be that. And, and that way they totally made it, like, you know. And you can see the response that people had to his passing, like, like that's like national hero stuff. The scenes of his funeral were genuinely like, I mean, yeah, it looked like, like, like a concert. It was a celebration. It was people, people like, you know, gathered to ha- not have a good time, but, you know, but to celebrate a life. As to celebrate a life. life sing, yeah. passing, and, and, and to do it in a way that would have reflected him and reflect the band. And like, you know, it felt like very, in its way, extremely respectful and genuinely pe- people like got out of their fucking house on a raining day yeah. and, and went out there to be there. And there, there's people that so more records than them or whatever that won't, wouldn't get that True, re- reaction. Yeah. And like, but I think that, that that's a, I think that's a huge thing for, for older, you know, media DJs and, and writers is the thing of, of ju- judging people about what in their head, what they didn't achieve, you know. And yeah. I think I think it's more fitting to to judge uh, uh, Aslan and Christie and what they did achieve. Well, let's uh, let's have the final clip, even though I feel like, you know, I feel like I'm just strangling poor Dave into submission here. But, you know, his apology is coming up too. Don't worry. But they, they just should have done more and didn't. All right. But he is one in a million and somebody who has a very special place in, in the hearts of Irish people and probably always will. He'll never be managed, matched. No. In, well, in terms of that kind of thing. But, I mean, I do think that... Like, you know, somebody said, I've never seen a better front man. I have. I've seen much better front man, but that's the way it is. Look, even in Irish bands, you know, I thought Gazlan great. I thought Christie was great. But I do think, you know, that I thought the demons were just as strong. Dave, thanks very much. I mean, you know, you say like a bad day, whatever, like that at the end there felt like he just forgot to get an extra dig in. I, 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 I. I, I just think why you say it what? Stonewall begrudgery like is, why fucking say it begrudgery like like uh, the man is dead what did he do like what one did he day do to Dave Fanning and you're like, like why did I, I, that, that, I think that is I think that is I think that unfortunately I'll, t- I'll tell you someone who didn't make it in another country Dave Fanning <laughs> I'll tell you someone who blew it Dave Fanning all right. Well, he knows he blew it because he fucking. Yeah. You know, he took time to. Obviously, people were very upset by this. Um, and were, to be fair, I believed his apology. I so do I. Yeah. And I and I and I have a lot of time for Dave Fanning. Yeah, and, I, and I'm I, happy I, to put it down as a, a bad day that you apologise for, and you trust that people say, okay. It took like know. um the uh, like the guts of a week. Like, that segment aired, I think, on Wednesday, and then the following Tuesday, Dave Fanning took to Twitter to apologise for his remarks and he said and I quote I listened back to my bit on the radio about Chrissy Dignam feeling that it wasn't perhaps as bad as some comments have made out comments were right I was wrong it was bad I was trying to highlight some deeper issues in Ireland during the 80s and I totally missed the mark incredibly ill-timed and poor taste I really didn't intend to come across that way Christy was honestly one of the nicest and most genuine people I met in the music business as are all of Aslan and I've said that many times down through the years I particularly want to apologise to his family. Christy was always a gentleman who deserves better than that from me. Which I think is pretty unequivocal. And I mean, like, of course, you know, you get you have the weird mix. It's Twitter. So, like, you know, you have plenty of people who are saying, like, you know, class act and people saying stuff like, you know, it takes a brave man to apologise. And I guess it does. But, like, sometimes that can be a bit over-dramatised. Uh, no, no, to be fair, like, like and, and, and not to... Apologising is hard, you know. Apologising is hard. I, I speak from experience. If someone, if some, <laughs> but if someone, like, does their absolute best to do an absolute full apology, and I think that wasn't a caveated apology, it was, like, 
I was wrong. Like you have to say, but other people did come in with a steamroller and with, with, with the usual not good enough or people who were like yeah, well why did, why did it take this long yeah, yeah look, favourite phrase do better do better and like that was in there as well and like it's just that thing of people, people like one guy had like a lit, one guy started off and he was like oh I'm torn on this and it's like well you're a fucking nobody who cares what you're <laughs> torn on and it was like torn on this and it was like you know um, litany of questions and it was just like I mean like uh, I do think do what, you know what I think this, about- sorry this isn't me defending what he said he was all over the fucking map in that segment and got it so wrong. But the apology was contrite. It seemed genuine. Can we not move on? Like, like what do we want this man hanging from a fucking lamppost? We can some, move on. Some do, you know, we will move like, on. But the thing about it is, is with Dave, unfortunately, because of this, and it was such a big deal, you know, the next time he won't get as much, um, like he won't get a kind of a, a, a fair response if he does anything like this again, I think. Because everyone will say, Grant, look, it was once off. But like you know, if you compare well, that's it again, fair. and he ha- yeah, and, because, and I think that's, that's what you want. That's beha- like pattern proves behavior, so it's like that's but fine. If he does it again, I think people are gonna and like you know, like like Dave, fair play to him. You want people on the radio who are saying a slightly different thing to everyone else, Grant. But this is anyway. Look at yeah. Like I said at the start, at the end of your life, like you want to believe uh, that people are going to say. Like, look at the best of what you did because you were a person and you're flawed and you're vulnerable and you make mistakes and you have challenges that you've done your best to overcome. And, you know, like, that's what you want in the world. That's what you want people to feel for you. So, you know, you don't, people do not, like, react well to, like, situations like that you know it was such an yeah. emotional reaction no and, and, I, and I totally understand the emotional reaction and I think he I think he needed to apologize I think he apologized well it's one of those things people again I hate people who say stuff like why did it happen in the first well like, it did happen we gotta <laughs> fucking deal with it people make mistakes also the blo- it's, it's more the bloodlust merchants who come in with their hot knives They've and I'm just like good lord people on the internet did. Claire Byrne also <laughs> apologized as the presenter of that segment which I think was unnecessary uh, well, well yeah how, like her hands are tied what's she gonna do there well, you the, know? the RT received over, four, over 40 complaints to the national Broadcaster, obviously, there's a lot more on Twitter in general, but like, um, she said, uh, some she said, comments made by Dave were regarded as hurtful as offensive by some, and this program also apologizes for that. And we're happy to do so today. Look, I get it, you, you stats quo, whatever, but I was just like, I like what she was trying to wind him back in. Like, I don't think she failed in her job she as a presenter. A to, con- there was a bit of contra there as well, but I guess like, it's, the, was a great guy, it's you know, the Alan Partridge gag of you know, well, you know, I'm your guest and you fail to control me, so maybe that's what <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Anyway, look, we'll move on. Uh, you could talk about this stuff all day, but I'll also it should be said once again rest in peace Chrissy Dignam he was a genuine fucking treasure and deserved so much better than that segment right uh, real quick you mentioned Oasis Noel Gallagher has had a bit not quite a royal blood moment Kieran but he was performing in in America there yeah it's a fair reaction that's what I'm saying real quick playing with High Flying Birds new album out and um, he was asked uh, you know how's it going and he said it's terrible uh, playing these live shows in America I'm starting off with four or five new songs people should have bought the fucking album then shouldn't they if they don't know what they are basically they stand there with their mouths open thinking what the fuck is this I should probably direct them to their favourite streaming service uh, what do you think uh, as someone who you know puts out new albums I mean like getting that set list right you know it's that thing of is Noel being a bit bit Noly on this one do we think uh, well I mean a set list I don't care who you are you know putting five songs that people don't know at the start of set is asking for is is, is uh, not, not the way to do it uh, I don't think that a band should um, 
you know, play a, a you know, unless you're playing a greatest hit, hits tour. And actually, there's nothing, a lot of times, there's nothing better than seeing a great band on a greatest hit tour. Pet Shop Boys, that's what they were Unbelievable. doing. Unbelievable. Because everyone knows what, what they're going to see. The band know what they're doing. It, it's people-pleasing mode. It's a joyous event. But there's also nothing worse than a band that is a heritage act uh, trying to be a band that is a new band, you know, uh, like a hot new act. The like Smashing I'm, Pumpkins, you say? Yeah, but like, honestly, like, you know, I think, like, the like be an artist. Oh my God, please, like, make amazing music, write the, the most incredible stuff that you're, you you can. But when people come and see you, like, like, like understand that you're, like, people have spent their money on you, right? Often they have quite a lot of money. Quite, a huge amount of money. Uh, like, so, you know, I'm not saying like, you know, don't like, don't do what you're artistically, like do what you artistically want to do. Like, of course, but like you have to also like, I think, you know, that you also have to, you want people to go and go, I got something there, you know, and there's ways of playing new songs that they don't know. What you do is you play a couple of songs that they do know, and then you play a couple of songs that you, you think you're going to love and you say, come with me on this, you know, and there's a million ways to do it. And creative artists can do that. Of course they can. But like, but like, I just think, no, Galler, like, I'm sorry, you're not like playing your first gigs in, you know, a downstairs basement somewhere where you're like, I've written these songs. I hope you like them. People are going to see Noel Gallagher primarily because of what he did before. And that's fine. But like... Especially in America. Especially like, in America. Well. But like, Grant, that, that's understandable. Like, you should play new songs. Please write, write new songs. But don't get annoyed at the audience. Like, the audience is just a, you know, homogenous blob of people. <laughs> like, you know, so if all of this blob is saying that they don't like something or are not reacting, well then, you know, try and understand how to make the blob happy a little bit. Well, I'll tell you, homogenous blobs of emotion fell down Trent Reznor's face there recently <laughs> when he uh, found himself listening what to a, a certain pop maven. I want to thank Sonic Architect Adam for uh, putting me in the direction of his beloved Rick Rubin's uh, Tetragrammaton, Tetragrammaton yeah. podcast, on which had Trent Reznor on it recently for a two plus hour interview and you can bet and what an interview it's fantastic is Rick Rubin on his podcast does he not speak and just sit beside kind of I mean kind of do yeah, vibes like the exact way he produces records um, the amount of times the amount of times Trent Reznor was like you know how it is Rick when you're like you know lying there listening to a track and you know just to have a big smile on your face and I'm like this is hilarious so it's like it's just Rick Rubin refusing to stand in front of a mixing desk yeah he's, it's, it's, it's phenomenal like it's, it's a great great podcast he did one with Paul um, Heyman of WWE fame and it was over three hours long and I was transfixed What's by it. it. Called? It's Techno. Te- Tetragrammaton or Tetragrammaton. Just him chatting, people. Yeah. It's, it's, ah, oh, listen, look, it's Rick Rubin. Do you know what do you expect? Hello, hello. But, but like, it, it <laughs> very is. Very soothing voice as it's, well. It's very. He does it, have a nice voice, yeah. It's, it's like, what, I don't know, how do I explain it? Essentially, what he's doing is he's sitting with his friends for three hours, letting them talk. Like, there's very little. So Rick There's Rubin. very little input, but it's just like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's being edited out, what's being left in, but like Trent Reznor, Paul Heyman, uh, Phil uh, Phil Jackson, the NBA coach, the coach of the Bulls, was on the first episode, and they're just like blah 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 blah, blah the whole time, and like spilling their guts. Well, his job, his job, Rick Rubin, the thing that he's most amazing at, and he gets paid for, is creating the right environment for an artist. To, to get the best out of themselves. Yeah, yeah. Essentially I, I think that's that kind is. of amazing because I actually personally prefer working with producers who um, are in the music with you. I prefer that. Like, I prefer the, the like, it feel like a collaboration. Mm. I would find it a bit daunting working with Rick Rubin who walks in and goes, 
not today and then leaves and then you know you come you you, you play some more songs for tomorrow and he goes not today and then he comes <laughs> at the third and he goes we're there put on the microphones you're like oh shit you know um but uh but but I'd say with a podcast and with a setting an environment for people to talk and having that space to be free and maybe, you know, I'd say it'd be amazing at that. It's absolutely wonderful. Especially really when you have a Trent Reznor. And look, it's no secret. I'm a massive Nine Inch Nails fan. I adore Trent Reznor. But I also adore, you know, Noel Gallagher is aged disgracefully, you could say. <laughs> Trent Reznor, on the other hand, I think has aged uh, quite wonderfully in many respects. And he just listened to him talk about everything. I just found it so fascinating. Even stuff I'd heard before, just hearing him talk about it now. And I will say as well, that Song Exploder uh, Netflix show, there's an episode about Nine Inch Nails about her please watch it I promise you you'll come away from it feeling affected by it it's really Song Exploder and there's someone else on that Song Exploder series who feeds into this very story Dave that's correct Uh, her name is Dua Lipa so basically Trent Reznor at one stage was talking about songwriting and how he's kind of struggling at the moment as a songwriter which I find interesting because he's doing so many film scores with Atticus Ross at the moment Um, but Nine Inch Nails haven't put out any new material in quite some time and he's even talking about how he doesn't really want to tour anymore He's, you know, he's got five kids. He's 58. He's happily married. Five kids. Five. I didn't. I thought. I thought it was like less than that, but no, it's five. And What's the guy from TV, what, from the uh, the morning show, Tommy Bow. There he goes. Nine siblings. Ten siblings. <laughs> ten. How did how did you get that wrong? <laughs> Sorry. My God. Five. Five seven. children. Anything into double digits would be madness nowadays. Anyway, anyway, um, Reznor talked about. Uh, you know, struggling to write songs and just kind of get that feeling from music again. And he said, to me, the hardest thing is songwriting, having something to say, having something to say with truth and that has that thing, has that reason to exist rather than just a thing, just an exercise, having to think about the multiple layers. For a Max Martin or a songwriter, I don't know how that works. I appreciate the craftsmanship of it. I've got five kids now and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I know that's a thing to say, but it's radically reshaped every bit of who I am and why I do anything. The reason I mention that is for a while I've kept them hermetically sealed away from pop music because I think it sucks, generally. I have thought that for whatever reason, and then I realised about a year ago, that's not fair. And they're not away from it, I'm just not playing it at breakfast. In the car, I don't have on radio stations. I heard my daughter, who's six, singing Dua Lipa the other day. She's so into it, and it was so cool. Like, this is her music, you know, this is her thing. It really reminded me that the art of writing a well-crafted song... I teared up listening to a Dua Lipa track the other day because it was just a really well done piece of music, you know? It was clever, it felt good, it's difficult. I don't know how to do that because when I'm thinking of what to say or how to say it, I'm saying it from the unvarnished me and that requires me to think about who I am and where my position is now and all of that together becomes something that feels the stakes are higher. Kieran. Uh, like, but that's, that is like unbelievably true, you know, uh, so I drop the, uh, my kids to school in the morning and I have a playlist of about 50 songs and I say, well, who, who wants it? So they each choose a song that they like. So the youngest always goes for ABBA. Uh, the middle at the moment is kind of ABBA, but the oldest the oldest will move between the songs they like. So we listen to Manic Monday on a Monday and we listen to, you know, a Friday, I'm in love on a Friday and then we play some Pixies and I'll play them something new and i like, what do you think of this? And I'll test stuff out and whatever. Um, but... I think a week or two ago, uh, my eldest was like, can you put on Brutal by Olivia Rodrigo? And I was like, yes, we can. And I put it on and it's a banger. And I was kind of like, I was just, I don't know, it was the first time that she's, like she she asked me to play Imagine Dragons and I was like, I'll stop the car <laughs> and you'll walk home. 
because there's no Imagine Dragons in this car or this house ever. But they listen to <laughs> they listen to Imagine Dragons in some sort of you know I assume some nonsense. But anyway, uh, she Olivia, great. Let's have a listen, and it's brilliant. You know, it's a great tune. It's a like it's a banger. Like and I'm, I'm Olivia like, Rodrigo's got some really good fucking songs. Yeah, and th- but this is it. It's like I was kind of excited that she's recommending music for me. Like yeah, and it's it's deadly apart from Imagine Dragons, but. But like that's really it's really exciting, and I, I I'm not saying I didn't tear up when I heard it, but I was like sitting in the car and I was like, oh, I can see how this is you know like this, and I can hear some. It sounds like, oh, it's got a kind of a, um, it's a bit of Paramore in there and all this kind of stuff. But like, and it was like, I love it, you know, and I, I felt like I can totally understand that. Like you know, you think you think in your life that you're the influence on your kids and you are to a point and then they start being the influence on you. You know, you're trying to shape them and then eventually it switches and they're shaping you. And it's like, it was like one of the first times that happened and it was like, cool, you know, it's cool. I look forward yeah. to more more kind of great uh, uh, suggestions from, from, from my kids. So yeah, yeah, I mean, like somebody, like it went up in Stereo Gum and somebody, you know, commented being like, I have to know what Dua Lipa song it was. I love this response so much because I believe every fucking letter of it. Like, I really do. <laughs> he said, it was levitating. Her execution was spot on. And when she got to the sugar boo line, it broke me. I don't know if he's taking the piss or not. I, gen- I, I don't know why I believe that so much. But well, he's really become do. very sincere. He, he's always sincere, but I mean, I think, he's, I think he's become especially sincere in his older age. And I, I think ultimately, you know, and also, like, for a man who's two years off 60, you're like, you, as Adam said last week. I do have one question. They, they, you, I think you said, like, 60 is the new 40 or something. Oh, yeah, so, sorry, yeah, life begins at 60. What's your one question? Um, my one question is that, was it the version with with or without the baby? I don't know. I hope it was without. Um, yeah. But, like, I will say, like, like again, I as a... on the version with the baby. <laughs> as a, yeah, it blew my mind. <laughs> as a Nine Inch Nails fan, I will say, because uh, I saw there was, like, someone sent me, like, a quote from some, like, Nine Inch Nails fan page with someone freaking out about this, and they were like, this is embarrassing. He should be saying this about, you know, quote-unquote, uh, something more experimental or something. And it's like... Gatekeepers, oh, fuck shut off. Up. But it's like... Yeah. <laughs> I, I just find that... And, enjoy and even I, I even saw on their own page, like, like I mean, when this thing was posted, like, some people were kind of, like, you know, just saying, like, oh, he's gone soft or whatever and it's like look it's like you're talking about a guy who in the 90s had a crippling heroin addiction and was intensely depressed and wrote songs about how he didn't want to fucking be alive anymore at the age of 58 he is an accomplished award-winning film composer he's happily married with five children he's still making incredible music there will be another nine another nine Nails album i hope and hopefully another tour because they're incredible live he's he's like a healthy happy guy and the fact that a Nine Inch Nails fan wouldn't want that for him and is, you know, has, I don't know, some weird fucking, I don't know, gay panic about pop music or something. Like, how else do you explain that reaction? Oh, well, you know, like, a tough man shouldn't listen to Dua Lipa. It's like, shut the fuck up. It's like Trent Reznor, like, I, I say this because I adore the guy, but I'm just like, he might not have been, like, like, look at his contemporaries. Like, the fact that he's even alive is a good thing. But to criticise where he's, where he's at now, and yeah, I know I'm a fucking super fan, but I'm just like, anyone who claims to like what he does... And says that is just that to me is as bad as it. And Dave Fanning said, being disappointed by people on the internet." Yeah, it's please. fair. It's fair. You're correct and right. So let's. There's no joy there. Why don't we be? Doing- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Why don't we be disappointed instead in music that has aged badly? Yes. And some of the musicians who made bad mistakes in various different <laughs> capacities. So this is going to be our top five. Um, this is how we're going to do it. Songs that age badly. I've got five tracks. Kieran's got five tracks. I don't know what he's chosen. He doesn't know what I've chosen. There might be crossover. We'll find out as we go. Um, in terms of tackling this, I mean, I kind of like, I don't know, maybe you picked this so we'll, we'll find out. But like, I didn't pick, for example, like, you know, uh, Baby It's Cold Outside, which is kind of like one of the go-tos. <laughs> Did you pick it? <laughs> I'm not telling you. Oh well, okay. Well, then I can't get into a screed about it. But I was just going to say, I like, do get into a screed about it. I was just going to say, like you know, like that would be a, that would be a, a very good example if someone did pick it, and um, because you know that's obviously like you know how, how we interpret lyrics now and what was more innocent at mm. a certain time, and there are some very fucking dodgy lyrics out there in music, and will probably continue to be. But I will say, some of the ones I've chosen, I'm kind of like, have these aged badly, or are they always horrendous? And we just didn't. It took that, us. That, so that that's so this could be the, the through line. You know, this is what I was thinking. I didn't want to take a song that was always shit mm-hmm. <laughs> you know because uh, well, I've definitely got a couple of those <laughs> yeah, well, do you know what I mean then, then it hasn't it's just always been bad but I have oh, I failed the assignment so let's just be honest here yeah know? so I do, the thing I didn't want to do and I like I could have literally had um, a list of you know uh, really dodgy kind of creepy lyrics and I was like no let's let's move away from that so there's a little bit of that but it's not really it's I just I just chose songs that I can't believe that people thought yeah. or were accepted or really good or celebrated or whatever. I was like, oh my God, what, I, can someone explain this to me? Because yeah, this is yeah. bonkers. I try for some variety, but look, how about you kick things off? And as you know, you know, you, you tease it up and, and we'll hear the audio. Up, right, okay. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to play a song now. Um, so, uh, so my five, I think I have my five, right? Yeah, I think uh, you do. I think. So if I don't, you'll know. Yeah, okay. and we can do a retake. Yeah, that's so probably <laughs> okay. the magic um, so, of podcasting, yes, everybody. Yes. Um, so um, this next song is uh, one of the most shockingly uh, <laughs> well, it's terrible, uh, but it's also shockingly. I cannot believe that this song ever was a song that people enjoyed, and I cannot believe it was the theme tune. Uh, to a World Cup from an Irish TV station. Sorry, before you get going, I should say as well, uh, you know, not to not to further piss off, like you know that that troglodyte Nine Nails fan, but like you know, I maybe throw I might throw out like a general content warning for this top five because there's probably going to be some racism, there's probably going to be some really icky shit in here, so you know, like there might just be some areas that we have to go to 
That might be upsetting, you know? Yeah, but we're not endorsing it. No, not at all. And like, like you I'm know, actually quite against racism, like, you know. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, you should be. Yes. Um, but I, yeah, no, I just feel like these songs may very well take us to some grim places. So, you know, we'll be careful as we can. I like to keep the show lighthearted, but some of these, some of these things are not that way. And yes, why don't you please kick us off by telling us just who and what this is. Okay. So this is The Vapors and Turning Japanese. And I am absolutely... Like, I just cannot believe this was a massive hit. Like, the song, uh, Turning Japanese, the phrase, is about the face you make when you're climaxing. First of all, like, uh, like that is that is racism. <laughs> and he says, he, and then later, nowadays, in you know, the cancel country going, going wild, he's like, no, 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 it's not about that. I just got the, I just got the, uh, the phrase in my head uh, one night and I put it in, it doesn't mean anything. No, no, that's not the case. In the video, you are pulling, you're you're doing Asian eyes in the video. You're pulling your, you're, like, I'm sorry, it's not true. Like, you're lying. He says it's it's just about nervous energy. Well, why were you so specific about the nationality of the, like, it's just, and like, it's got the oriental riff in it. Nah, 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 nah. Like, yeah, which is like, yeah. you know, seen as being a racist trope. It's like. Which, uh, to this day, by the way, in like, say, like professional wrestling, for example, if WWE bring out like a Japanese wrestler, it's going to be in there. Yeah, and it's 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 uh, um, it was it's seen as a racist trope, perpetuating simplistic and inaccurate, inaccurate stereotypes, usually for comic effect. Like, you know, like, and also every Asian person gets the the uh, the Oriental. Like, it is honestly, it's a uh, absolute shocker. And I had to open it because there's lots of songs that I'm like, you know, someone you could hear an argument about some songs. Like, I, I even heard an argument about Baby's Cold. It's like, no, you're you're reading it wrong, blah blah. But like. This is, I'm sorry, this is, there's no getting away from this, like. And also, it must be really hard for the band, you know? Uh, like, because this is their biggest it's hit. Their biggest hit, yeah. yeah. It's like, you do, if Where you don't have this, it's gone. Where are know? they from? English? No? Um, I don't know, but I do know that... Um, they're white men, right? They're white men, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that there was lots of change in the lineup, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dave Fanning would have liked them. They never made it after this. Well, hey. But, um, but like, uh, I just can't, I just can't believe in this day and age like listen to it now maybe it was different you know like there's going to be loads of this are you telling but me that they use this for they use this uh, for the 2002 two. Uh, um, uh, South Korea and uh, Japanese World Cup it was unbelievable and I also when I was looking it up online, RT are usually very good with their music selections I will say that's not one of them yeah and the other thing is that um, sorry was it, like, was it it wasn't like was it used constantly or just no, like just like the opening it was used package in the, or... in the, yeah the packages and stuff yeah Ooh. Um but also, like, if you're talking about a song that's aged badly, like, honestly, there's few that have aged as badly as this. So, this is my It's also, five. like, I, I don't even think it's that good of a song in terms well, no, of just its No, it's not trying to be punk. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's annoying. It's pop punk, you know? It's like, it's got the guitar sounds of, 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 of punk, but it's like, you know, a pop song, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, look, I mean, uh, for my number five, thankfully, it's more about a, a production decision. But I do have, I do have some really nasty <laughs> stuff for the, like pretty much the rest of the of the thing. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. You no, know, three horrible ones and two that are kind of about production techniques. Uh, so number five, I mean, I, I, there's going to come a day, and I can't believe it hasn't come yet, that Adam hasn't just turned around and been like, I'm not letting you pick this anymore. Oh, no. But that what day is, is not today. Number five, <laughs> he's shaking his head.
I, I, I have to say, right? I'm sorry. No, 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 no don't apologise because this is on a bad list, Dave. <laughs> yeah, for once. <laughs> for a change. Ladies and gentlemen, it is, of course, Metallica and I've chosen anything off St. Anger. Uh, that song <laughs> is... Stanger, as it's colloquially known. Well, not anything, show. I will say. Not anything, because I do love that snare drum and I will defend what it. What the fuck is wrong with I will defend no, it with... snare my, drum is terrible. I will defend it with my life. However, this song is frantic, by the way, but what have I chosen to highlight? I've chosen to highlight a decision that was made by Metallica when they made this album to have no guitar solos on the record which instantly dated the album and stands out like a sore thumb and I'm not even a big guitar solo guy you're a guitarist where do you stand on guitar solos? Oh, guitar solos like you know metal kind of needs it though well, maybe no it's just it's like if it doesn't it doesn't need it the Smiths only had one guitar solo and they're like I don't like band. drum solos and I'm a drummer you know like I, I, yeah, I but to I, me like a drum solo kind of stops momentum in a weird way a guitar solo I understand it kind well, of a Phil, a Phil wouldn't but like a, a full on you know John Bonham having you know having to run around the kit for a while yeah yeah, exactly that thing where it's like even like Joey Jordison would step not where it's like you know it's like it's like the rest band just go and have a smoke or something yeah so like, I've got you know? 11 toms and I'm going to use all of them in a row no it's awful but um you know, like I think I thought you were going to go somewhere different with this guitar solos. You know, a guitar solo, a bad guitar solo is like, what are you doing? You're just like, yeah, okay. Well, it's like Slayer who have the same guitar solo. You're every showing song. us that you can do a couple of scales. It's amazing, like you know. But metal fans, I guess, expect it, and I guess Metallica felt at least one quarter of the band, or well, I mean, at the time, one third, because Bob Rock was a temporary fill-in. Uh, Kirk Hammett in the wonderful documentary, some kind of monster, which he everyone seems like a sweetie pie. Everyone should watch. Well, let's have a listen to him. A rare occasion in that film in which voice of reason and tranquility, Kirk Hammett actually is pissed off and makes some salient points. Let's hear what he had to say back then, in 2003 or thereabouts. You started talking about the idea of the guitar solo as we have known it, maybe being something that was a little outdated and maybe reintroducing some riff-a-rama things. But can I say something that I think is bullshit? This whole fucking solo out, you know, dates the whole thing. That's so bullshit. You know, if you put a guitar, if you don't put a guitar solo in one of these songs, that dates it to this period, and that that cements it to a trend that's happening in music right now. I think that's stupid. Yeah, and I, I think it's I totally know trendy. That's not what I said. It's always been about like where could it go, that's kind of new and interesting instead of just repeating something from the past. I'm <laughs> not interested in playing traditional guitar <laughs> solos anymore. You know, it's just for me. Well, you told it's, me that it, it's just boring. You know, to me. If you can add a color to the song that that satisfies you and works for the song, then that's what we should do. But I don't want to get in the position where it's like we put something down on the tape to satisfy your ego, my ego, Lars's ego, or James's ego. I think it should serve what's going down. Like, like in other words, there shouldn't be like a rule of no solos. There shouldn't be a rule of solos. It should be. And I agree. I mean, it really is to me all about serving the song, and you know, I feel much better about that because, you know, I, I I just don't want to follow certain trends that I see other bands following. We don't necessarily have to stick to our traditional way, but we also don't have to follow that trend. But they did follow that trend. And I guess Kirk folded like a fucking ironing board because there were no solos on the album in the end. Oh, Everyone's ego was served except for his. So what do you think? I can't listen to that because it's just <laughs> like, I'm like, you know, Taylor Andrews recorded seven albums and released six and the amount of conversations 
like that. Oh my God, it's hell. And also, like, I, I, you forget, I mean, I mean, Adam, you've probably been in a lot of situations like this. The tension in the room is just like, oh my God, it's the, it's so horrible. <laughs> I hate that. It's awful. Yeah, when I was in my band, it was definitely more prevalent than it is now, thankfully, as I'm like a slightly less involved, like I'm a step removed, I think. Um, so yeah, no, not so much anymore, but I definitely know what I, that I, uh, feels like. I worked with, um, I used to work in a, a music college, third level music college, and uh, one of the bands which has gone on to be, to do well, um, for they, they did a, an album every year. So I was asked to produce one of their, one of their songs. So I went in and I was like, yeah, well done, you know, really good, you know, blah, blah. And I had a couple of, I was like, look, I'd listened to the song a few times and look, I'm just going to throw some suggestions, you know, take any of them, but we could cool try them and see if any of them, you know. And everything I tried, they were like, no, we're not going to do that. The singer would say to me. And I was like, okay, well, look, we'll just give it a go and see. Because, you know, I was kind of thinking whatever. And he was like, I don't know, I don't think so. And then the other, you know, the bass player would be like, maybe we should, we should, will we just run through it, you know? And it was this, I was there for like an hour. And it was like, like actually like I imagine how you know people say, it's like pulling teeth. I imagine this is actually the physical, <laughs> you know, it was actually pulling teeth out of out of out of a skull it was so difficult and uh oh god everything that reminds me of that sort of situation but yeah tenor i can guess off mic who this is uh you can guess if you like but i won't be saying who it is on mic at all but anyway uh, yeah it's oh god oh god i can't i can't listen to it so painful um kirk hammett speaking in 2018 said i guess it was appropriate for the time but looking back it doesn't seem so appropriate to me now i will always object to that but i think the message was driven home after the album that solos are needed in metallica people look forward to hearing them so for me there was a weird vindication and again like you, you look at that clip online all the youtube comments are like kirk was right um, and it's funny because like of all like that album is dated in many ways it's problematic in many ways but that's kind of the big one I suppose and, and for some people and I do love how like with that album the the real problem isn't the snare drum it isn't the bad lyrics it isn't the lack of solos it's when you realise that every single song is eight minutes long for no reason and all it does at a certain point is just loop in on itself again and again and again it's just you know what it is in it's place a, of where a guitar solo could have went for it's example just, it's just a band trying to work out their an anger album. yeah yeah, it's like <laughs> they're angry. Yeah, you have seen you have seen the documentary. Haven't I you? have. I've seen it. I've seen it. I find it very hard because <laughs> I actually watched the too the, close to home. What it, it, it like? I love the lads, you know. But the, the way that we worked in in De Laurentiis, uh, like for those albums, you're referring to Metallica as the lads there the lads. for a I second. Love the, I love the lads, <laughs> but not Bob Rock, obviously. But um, no, like the for Rock every De Laurentiis album, it's a collaborative process. The four of us have you know, songs. The four of us have opinions, and so there are times. There's lots of really good stuff as well, but there are times where you're actually, you're like, I just don't think that the bass should come in on the third bar. It should come in on the fourth. And you're like, well, we're going to have, how about we have it on the third and a half bar? That doesn't make any sense. Well, it's, well, it's a compromise, you know, it's like <laughs> nonsense arguments, which are more about power dynamics and, uh, you know, <laughs> like no, like some argument that you had, that you lost a week ago, that you're arguing this argument just to win, like... Luckily, like it didn't happen often, but it did occasionally happen. And I watched the the Beatles documentary, which I think is a work of art. Like I, uh, like it's just an the incredible get back one. Get back. Yeah, yeah. And there were parts of that I was so uncomfortable. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I had a pain in my stomach. <laughs> I was so uncomfortable watching. But okay, it's, like it's amazing. Can you give us a pain in our ears, please, with your number four? Okay. Um. Well, you'll enjoy this one, Dave. It's uh this song, very very popular. 
Uh, it's a colonial Western-centric cheese fest with condescending stereotypical descriptions of Africa. It is a little bit of hell just for you. And there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas time. The greatest gift they'll get this year is <laughs> okay, so first of all, uh, um, um, novelty songs are the worst songs. 100%, yeah. And the worst novelty songs are Christmas songs. That's true. This hardly is an introduction, but, you know, we got to do it nonetheless. Yes. Who is, is this? Uh, all I want for Christmas are, are my two front teeth. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's Do They Know It's Christmas. Uh, one of the, the, it's just, oh God. The original, so right? Band-Aid? It's the original, the Band-Aid, yeah. Yeah. Not the ones where they like tried to change the lyrics and made it weird, you know? Oh yeah, for, you know, for, for wokeness or whatever. Uh, yeah, the like, fucking... like you can't. This song is, has aged so, I, I can't believe how badly this has aged. It's so... Western centric. It's like, also so stark that one line of like you know, basically they they have, they have nothing. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like nothing they, ever grows. No rain or rivers flow. What are you talking about? <laughs> Do you think that everyone? Have you seen one TV report of like uh like you know flies buzzing around children? You think that's what Africa is? That's like? exactly what they thought. Like it's and also like like the list of acts. Like I mean, even like even with some sense in your head, you would say. There is, there is, these are all white people, you know, like, like cool from cool and the gang is in the background of some of the stuff. Like, you know, like, come on. Remind like, me who's in the star studded crew again. Who knows it's who's like in Sting, Sting, Geldof, Geldof, Bono, yeah, Bono, George. Bono, of course, has the Paul line. Paul Young opens it up, which is a, a, one of those. Bono questions. has the line that everyone, in my opinion, actually gets wrong when they give out about it. Because when he says, you know, well, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you, they're like, what a horrific, yeah, monstrous yeah, yeah. thing to say. And I'm like, no, he's clearly doing the fucking, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, doing the thing. Yeah. He's no, doing the irony thing and he's doing the, you know, he's doing the also, you know, he's like, you know, like you guys are in, like you know, Western privilege. It's like you know, come on, dig in. It's like I don't think it's meant to be like a twisting of the knife a bit situation. It's meant to try and make people empathise with no, people. No, and like this, is and the everyone's thing, always like, like, "Well, that Bono line is fucked up," and I'm like, "Well, it's <laughs> fucked up in a way, but it's also kind of him being like, it's him trying to be like, get your fucking money out, lads." No, that, that's, I think that's, that's actually a, a one lot of the better lines in the yes, song. Yes, it's a lot less worse than what we just heard. And yeah, again, and also, give, sorry, give, give me that line again. Like, where nothing ever, where nothing grows. ever grows, no rain or rivers flow. But on top of that, right? Jesus, like Christian is the most the continent is the most widely practiced religion in Africa it's the majority in uh, sub-Saharan Africa right they know it's Christmas because they they worship Christ like like what the fuck like they know it's Christmas because they have Christmas like <laughs> and also like but none of these people went to Africa you know, they know and they asked an African they person saw, they saw some clips and they were like oh god it looks really oh, it doesn't look great does it guys and also it's just snow in Africa well there's Kilimanjaro which has a, gla- a, a, a glacier or a glacier 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 like on the side of it you know they have snow in Africa like and also Africa is not one just big homogenous place like it is a, a giant continent where there's different things happening. No, they think it's one starving child. <laughs> they think it's from like a video brown earth seen. and children, like emaciated children with like flies around their head. Yeah. Like it is, it is 
Now, that well, happens, but that happens. Yeah, it's, no, like, sorry, it's, like, it's not exclusive. It's, it's, it's that thing of like, yeah, yeah, it's total myopia. Yeah, it's really Western-centric. And also, um, it's been said that it actually perpetuated uh, the, the idea that uh, African people can't um, look after themselves. You know, they need this this saviour to come in. Now, they need like, an amazing song. Yeah, <laughs> but it's re- I think it's really, really important to say that I think Geldof and Midge, you're... Is that right? I never. don't think I've heard it said. I only read, read Midge-Your. Yeah, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Like, it's like, what, Brian Eno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Midge-Your. Um, like, it was a... Like, like Pat Kenny. <laughs> Midge-Your. <laughs> it's just... Like, they were genuinely being charitable and compassionate and they were moved to do something, you know? And Bob took an old uh, uh, Boomtown Rat song and... Uh, Midge Ewer added a song bit to the end and they came up with this song and it was smart to do that because if they did a cover they'd have to you know lose the, the rights and all the rest like they did everything that they could and I think that it was actually and the people who responded to it I think were responding in the right way but I'm not talking about that I'm yeah, not the talking intentions about the stuff were, around the that. intentions were good yeah the song itself <laughs> is dog shit <laughs> it's, it's garbage dog shit. And also, um, people Marcy, love it Marcy at the time said, and I, I love this, <laughs> he said, the song is absolutely tuneless. And he said, it's one, one can have great concern for the people of Ethiopia, but it's another thing to inflict daily torture on the people of Great Britain. Which That's I think very good. It's a good line. Mar- again, Mar- the Marcy problem of like, for all, like, yes, he's... I think you can be a massive he, prick he, and he, say funny things at the same time. He veered to the dark side in many ways, but the man can pen an insult. You yeah. know, it's like, you know, let, let's be fair on that one. He, he's he as can- thespian as they come. Yeah, yeah. It's a terrible song. It's aged terribly. Oh yeah. Um, it's so patronizing, patronizing, so condescending, uh, so ill-judged, and it feels like it. It feels it's just a bad song. I, God, it's, it's horrendous. Yeah, it's horrendous. And the worst thing about a bad song like that is it's like it's okay to have a bad song. People write bad songs. It's okay. It's okay, guys. Write a bad song. It's fine. But having to listen to a bad song over and over and over and over and over again, and have documentaries about a bad song. <laughs> and like it's just terrible. I get new versions of it with with the new pop stars oh, yeah, of the God. day and, then, and the, they've done that twice have they? they've done two versions yeah and there was one the most recent version was uh, Johnny Burrell Burrell oh my god my pronunciation we always have this problem yeah it's Burrell but Johnny we, from we, we prefer Razor Burrell. Light Burrell, was yeah. going to sing Thank God It's Them or whatever and Bono well, was like tonight that's my line you know? and there was a big fight about it like yeah. I'm like oh my god <laughs> that's not the most recent one I think there's another one after but nonetheless it is an abomination and it, yeah. it's, it's it's a horrible thing so it had to be on my list oh perfect Joy I'm delighted you picked it because uh, I didn't so but I have picked a disgusting I just, like, I'm sorry. Like this is, this is like I am, I am, I am sorry for what you're about to hear, but my God, I couldn't, I couldn't, I could believe it because it's these guys. But Jesus Christ, like, is there no level of sleaze that will not be steeped by this fucking play carnival it, play act? It, Adam. Number four. I'm sorry, you gotta do that 
in the name in the of name rock and roll? roll? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, one guess. Who one is guess. This? One guess. Is it, it's it's not ACDC. Is no. It? It's ZZ Top? No. Oh, come on. What? Who are the most disgusting, <laughs> depraved rock band of the 80s? Oh, uh, oh God, is this uh, the hair metal dickheads? Oh, yeah. Oh, is it the drummer who went out with Pamela Anderson? Yeah, that's exactly who it is. And what are they called? Molly <laughs> they Crew? were called. They, they were called the drummer that went out with Pamela Anderson. <laughs> and the two other guys. Three other guys. It is, in me. fact, Motley Crue. This song is called All in the Name of. And just in case you didn't hear, because the mixing is terrible on it, of course, because it's a fucking hair metal anthem. The, the opening song, the opening verse, I swear to God, literally is, she's only 15 She's the reason the reason that I can't sleep. You say illegal. I say legal's never been my scene. Oh yeah, I try like hell, but I'm out of control. All in the name of, all in the name of rock and roll. Now, if you go onto the amazing website, genius.com, which gives you lyrics and you can do an- annotations. Sometimes artists do them, but the general public mostly does it. People will like, you know, you can like if it's highlighted in grey, you can press it, and it will give you like someone's interpretation of what it's yeah, about. Often backed up with like anecdotal evidence and you know stuff. And it's really, really like thorough and detailed and loving, and it's an incredible website. If you go onto the listing for All in the Name of by Motley Crue, click on "She's Only 15, Someone has put in a subtle nod to being a raging paedophile. <laughs> Oh, and then you click into you say illegal, I say legal step in my scene. And someone has written Nikki Six and Vince Neil, who wrote the song, are acknowledging that they know sex with a 15 year old is indeed statutory rape, but that's not of concern to them. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell, you should like I the lyrics, this, but it's fucking the ly- wild. Uh, like, it's it was. Oh my god! They're wrong? just horrible, the, aren't they? They're the, horrible. The, the bridge, the bridge is says to me, "Daddy, can I have some candy?" I mean, like, oh. look, it's Motley Crue. There's no point in spending too much time on it. But I will say that this, there is, there is like a a history. There is a legacy of songs that lads wrote about very, very young girls who were too young for. And it's just like, it's this thing of like, I mean. There's, I will say, like, I have to name two others because there's Christine 16 by Kiss, and of course, the Beatles have I Saw Her Standing There, which references a 17 year old girl. But Motley Crue said, You know what, lads, Nana, we'll go even fucking lower. Like, what is the threshold here, you know? And I, and I, for the, for the coveted nonce crown, <laughs> and I do appreciate that Motley Crue's whole thing was, We're mad and bad and we're going to fuck everything that moves. But, like, lads, I mean, Trying to picture like lads at a Motley Crue gig singing these lyrics, surely like they start up and like some guy like turns to his mate and he's like, "Yeah, but uh, what, sorry, what, 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 what did he just say?" Like, no, just like we we are leaving. Like, you know, this, this, this is no like yeah, and like, that's all I want to say about it. Like, it is, there's no it point in, in harping too much on this, but like I have to say, like it is one of the. And I'm sorry for laughing. I'm laughing because of how ridiculous oh, no, no. Motley Crue. It, like, it, 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 it is. It's it's funny, ridiculous, and also that song is fucking terrible. That's also why I'm laughing because yeah, yeah. it's just like it's a state of it. Like, but know. also you know, like, can you imagine? Can you imagine playing a song and then being so embarrassed of yourself writing it? Like, actually, they're them copshites probably. Yeah, they're embarrassed about it. No, knowing, they're like knowing them. Yeah. What's yeah, the problem, guys? It's rock and roll. <laughs> Get out of here, you idiot. Anyway, that's that's all I got to say about that. Okay, one. we're going to have something controversial now, are we? Can we do something controversial? Why not? After that. Uh, well, it's controversial. I don't think there's any controversy about that last one. Uh, <laughs> whereas this one, uh, there might be a little bit of controversy. Will I read a thing about it? Please. Okay, Isn't so. Give it away or. Um, one of the 
most critically acclaimed albums in the history of human beings writing songs on purpose and then recording them. Uh, that's ever happened. But unfortunately, it is the Emperor's new bullshit. The fourth album by Kid uh, by Radiohead is Kid A, <laughs> and it is literally uh, one of the few albums that got ten. I think there's only a couple, a handful of albums of ten out of ten on Pitchfork. When it was released, it was the it was like the second coming of Christ. I've never seen such incredible reviews for it, um, and I I just it's not it's okay. It's got a couple of good songs on it. And oh, I it's, think their, it's it's their best album. Oh my god! I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that big of a radio fan. Yeah, it's so. not. And but there are people and the the reverence that people <laughs> speak about Radiohead's fourth album, Kid A, is unbelievable. I am a very big Radiohead fan, uh, and I love when bands. Well, I love when bands take brilliant, daring, artistic decisions on albums. It's incredible. And what they did around that time for this album was just amazing. Like they were probably one of the biggest bands in the world at, the, at, at that point and they came out with this album and everyone just went, what the hell, you know? And that's brilliant, but that's not the album. The album itself is good. It's quite good. It's three stars, you know? Three stars. Close the DMs, Kieran. That's it all is, I'm going to say. It is three Shut to three and a half. Up three tight. and a half stars. But it is, I mean... I cannot believe how, like, people start talking about this and then they start, you know, they have to bow their heads, you know, and they have to, you have to touch a piece of wood near them because they're so affected by (laughs) how incredible the album is. And I'm sorry, it is, like, it's, it's okay. It's a good album. There's, there's, there's two really good songs on it. Uh, How to Disappear Completely and uh, In Limbo. Very good songs. It's got a couple of good tracks on it, which I wouldn't call songs. That sounds very... (laughs) That sounds very old school. Let's get the definition uh, explainer there, please. Uh, like, like there are pieces and there's some good pieces on it. Interesting stuff happening. Um, and I do, you know, I don't hate it. So you don't think everything in its right place is a good song? I think everything in its right place is a good song. I don't think it is one of the greatest. It's it, the album. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's okay. It's not even in my top five Radiohead albums. I'm sorry. And like to say. What's number one? Uh, well, it would have been, it's a fight between In Rainbows and OK Computer, but I actually I did In Rainbows for the radio show on Sunday night and I listened to it for the week and I was like, actually, this is really good. Like when when I was like, I think I'd, I've, I've finished, I think I'd finished school for the summer and my mom came home with, it, uh, with OK Computer and I kind of, you know, my first album I ever bought, I think might have been The Benz and... So I was really into, you know, the bands, loved it. And then Radiohead came along with the OK Computer and I was like, what is this? And I I, I loved it. And I feel like it, sh- like it was such an amazing album for me at that time. You know, it had great songs and it was like interesting and innovative. And it felt like a band, you know, like ringing themselves out trying to find something, which is like amazing. And then <laughs> Kid A came out and I was like, oh, 
oh, okay, what is this? Am I... And then you'd read a review and the reviews are like, this is the greatest album ever written. We can now shut down music. It's over for music because these guys have done it. They've done it. It's the greatest album ever. And it's, you know, it's okay. It has a lot of ideas on it. It's some glitchy stuff. If you want electronic-y trip-hop stuff, there's there's albums out there that are good. It, I Honestly, I'm sorry. It People love this album because of what it means and what it represents. But the album itself is not, it's okay. It's an okay album. Uh, and at the time, I think it's really telling. Uh, Tom York said, I've had it with melody. I just want rhythm. I'm like, you know, join a samba circle down in the community centre <laughs> on a Sunday, Tom. It was like, I'm sorry. Maybe he did. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what he does now. Like the thing is, I love this album, but I don't, I don't, I don't understand it enough or have that m- enough passion for it to even fight you on this. So I'm just going to let it slide. Oh, I'm going to move on to my number three. No, wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Do you, like, like... You wanted a fight, did you? No, but I, like, like, what do you think, Adam? Again, uh, do, do you want to know a fun fact? Um, I've never listened to Always. this album. Ever. Never touched it. Haven't touched OK Computer either. What the hell's wrong with you? This I don't is possible. Know. Like, I, I, I'm Just, not again, that big... It's, it's a weird, it's like a, one of, as Dave would say, it's a weird blind spot for me because... I coined at, that phrase, by the way, blind as spot. As someone... Weird Who? blind spot. No, no, Adam just keeps referring like he's like, as you would say, Dave, and I'm like, that's not my phrase. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but like you know yourself, it's like if you're missing something that's like it feels glaringly obvious and it does feel kind of I feel a bit dirty admitting it. Like no, you but shouldn't though. At like, the same time so much fucking music out there. Yeah, Adam. there's a lot of music out there and it one that I've like been meaning to get to, but I can't weigh in this conversation because I have I have no horse in the race. But it goes back here and for me, like you know, at the time when you would have, you know, when we all jumped on the music conveyor belt path yeah. of our formative life, I jumped on the new metal conveyor belt. You jumped on the you know pensive indie, yeah, conveyor belt. Yeah, I needed people to be sort of sad and emotional at all times. But um, OK Computer, no, that new metal. Let me tell you. Yeah, well, there's a lot of shouting. Um, uh, the Benz is very good. A Moonshape Pool. A Moonshape Pool That's a great is, album. is a great album, but it's the album that does the thing that people say Kid A does. I actually thought there'd be more pushback to this. But See, it, I, but I, it, I'm like the wrong the, guy. Yeah, the it's audience is wrong. Audience. Audience. It's yeah. You got it all it's, wrong here. It's one of the best reviewed albums of all time. Yeah. Uh, uh, like critically reviewed, like average reviews uh, is Kid A. And I'm like, I, I, I listen to it back I just I'm like I don't get this I don't get the love for it and I definitely like tried to like it because everyone said they liked it um, but like Amnesiac the next album has like Pyramid Song which is like an inc- like just one of their finest moments and as well like is full of craft and like ex- you know kind of the experimentation that they were going for <coughs> but this, this just felt like experimentation for the sake of it and I, I, I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm accepting your argument, even if I'm politely disagreeing with it. That hand ready, Dave. That's me. If, if you're not happy with this. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm not the one who dissed So we it. can redirect you to Kieran's at, or Kieran's at, at, three, two, one, at 321 Kieran, everybody. Okay, so number three for me, uh, another instance where you could pick, I, I, okay, with Metallica, I picked all of one album. With this act, I could pick their entire catalogue, but I'm picking yeah. this one as maybe, the, like, it's hard to pick the, the Nadir, but I this one has a weird personal memory for me, so... Uh, uh, let's enjoy some garbage.
came up in here to rock a lot of fire and make it hot at him. I, I this really does put like it, it, it gives um weight to the theory that Will Will Smith. I was going to say Will I am cannot finish a sentence in a song. Have you ever like no. heard of that theory? Is like <laughs> go on. What is the th- like in um one of their songs like uh. Gertie got that booty like wow oh wow and it's just like making noise at the end of everything it's just like what's going on here so look it's the Black Eyed Peas uh, the song is the time brackets dirty bit close brackets uh, so they do like an interpolation of I had the time in my life with their own trash shit future pop bullshit you mean one of the best pop drops of all time that drop is it sucks I, it sucks this, like so the year, the year is 2010 I've got fond memories right of me and my my mate in college David O'Malley we were in a journalism lab I would have been in my second year possibly second or third year I can't remember but we were doing like a module like, like a news day so you have to like spend the whole day in the lab as if, you, as if you're like working on like a news program or something you know it's all very serious but the Black Eyed Peas been on the X Factor the night before performing this and I just remember me and Dave watching the YouTube video of this drop and how horrendous it sounded and how embarrassing it was and me and him full on were in convulsions of laughter to the point that we had to leave like people were coming over being annoyed at us because they were like we're trying to do some journalism and I was like we were like lolling at this stupid trash what I've chosen here in terms of age badly is and again this could be one of those ones where like it was dead on impact but like the Black Eyed Peas I think were the forebearers of this really bad period in late 2000s early 2010s pop music where everything had to be future pop and it all sounded plastic and empty and hollow well, that it's and cynical. just I so think, cynical and so overproduced but I think this is no cynical. air in it at all yeah. it's just garbage but also this is cynical because it's like it's it's like it sounds like it's made by mar- it's marketing decisions you know let's get a really popular song let's just put some something that would play in clubs like it's it just sounds so designed by uh, you know a branding team it, like and a lot of Will I Am and a lot of that stuff I, I, I hate if you ever want to just look at the, some of the worst songs ever recorded, like have a look at Will I Am's uh, production <laughs> kind of uh, you know discography on on. Uh, but the, on, I, I do think that's a really really bad time for 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 mainstream pop music. Like it's just like I mean every like I don't know like Adam you you probably know more about production techniques than I would when it comes to this kind of stuff. This maybe, so. maybe it's kind of weird. no, but he would in general. But I mean when it comes to this kind of stuff, I wonder. Like it just felt like everything at the time was on a race to the bottom to try and be like, like I keep using the word futuristic, but like ultra modern and just like. I don't even know what they were going for, but again, like I don't. Know, it seemed like everything the Black Eyed Peas did would just turn to gold, despite being visibly and audibly terrible. Yeah, it was. Um, and everyone's like, "Oh, they were really good when they first started out." No. Vis- visibly uh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but they also were pretty visibly terrible. You watch that X Factor performance; it's really oh, no, bad. It's like I, I, they're so. <coughs> they're such a weird band. I, I always feel like they're the kind of band who were like, oh, "We're in a band," and then it was like, oh, "Hold on a second, You know, it's like some sort of Pavlovian thing that people started throwing money at them they were like people say let's do the worst music we can the narrative is that they were originally a quite experimental and interesting and daring hip hop group then they added Fergie I guess got a deal and then started making complete trash I, I I I can't blame that for it. That's it's it's will no, I no, am. No, 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 not it's entirely la- her fault. But That's they label but, influence. But like they're put. They 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 changed to a pop band and like you know. But but she is. It, it's her addition that people say marked the turn. I don't know how true that is. But oh no, like, that could be true. Yeah, the move into cynicism and because 
Honestly, it's but yeah, like, production it's techniques, just, Adam. I think this, like uh, you mentioned the word cynicism. I think the cynicism all comes from the fact that they were riding on the coattails of the EDM kind of revival and the, EDM is a huge the part beginning of, this, yeah, of it. Yeah. Like, and you know, Steve Aoki, Dead Mouse. This was all like happening at the time, and it Swedish was like a, Mafia, Swedish Mafia, like Axwell, um, Bloody Beat Roots, Bloody Beat Roots. Yeah, Calvin Harris was like doing his Avicii? thing. Would have kind of been been, I suppose, in like the. Early 10s? Uh, yeah, early 10s. So he would have, I probably had levels out at that point. But your like, boy, your boy Skrillex? Skrillex, yeah. The first, uh, the first coming. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was just like, everyone was just like hearing this thing that was happening and all of a sudden people were going to clubs again and it was like, this this massive subculture was now like being signed to, you know, major record labels. Like I said, Calvin Harris, Swedish House Mafia, Dead Mouse, um, all of these guys coming in like making this heavy hitting electro music off the back of the likes of, you know, a Justice or something. And someone at the label at the A&R is like, we should I mean, do that. We should do this with this band or, you know, and it's the fucking resampling thing and the interpolation and I fucking can't stand it. It, has, it, has, it has every problem. Adam, I just saw Adam like is rubbing his head <laughs> like, vigorously it's, here. It's, but like, no, it's that thing. He's about such piece of wood and pray to Kid A. It's the, it's the resampling thing and it's like the, the bastardized versions of those songs from then again that haven't, like there is no cause for remixing a song. So I, I had the time in my life into that shit oh, like that, there's no so cause cynical. for it it's so cynical no so, cause like, for it it's like you know what it's like it's like if you know people were like doing that game where they take up pieces of paper you know and it's like okay well this one makes money this makes money and let's put those together what do we have okay that makes money alright like what else can we do that makes money let's do that as well what does this look like okay you know it's like you know it's a it's a it's a it's an animal that doesn't exist let's go and invent it like it's just it's so bad and honestly um, I also think that, like that kind of music, I think a little bit makes me feel uh, like it kind of depresses me a little bit. It is depressing because it's like you could spend and at I, a certain I, point it isn't music. But sorry, well, yeah, uh, <laughs> my hottest take. <laughs> That's not music; it's noise. But, certain, but seriously, at a certain point, it, be, it just becomes something that is so cynical that like, it loses a, any and, sense. And the thing about it is, is and this is this is the actual thing that I think. I think, you know, the the AI conversation is boring. But this is what AI is for. Like, AI could do that. You'd type in, you know, really popular nostalgic song, really popular, you know, thing that plays at clubs. You know, what do I get? And AI will, you know, fart some shit out of you. You're throwing like sick beat. Yeah. And that's, but, but that's <laughs> Killer what that drop. is. Like, that's what that, it's like it. that. Yeah. It's like, it's like putting nonsense together to make money. You know? and that's the entire Black Eyed Peas career. Like, like the entire certain... Will I Am. Black eye, black eye peas career, you yeah. know, like sampling and stuff can be done so well, and we've seen it a million and one times from the likes of Daft Punk, Jay Dilla, uh, like even Timberland. I know he's kind of got some questionable moments, but like, I, it's so tasteless. I think is the main thing. It's just like. It's so fucking beige. Stop, stop. It's already dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're does, done. Okay, let's have, your, let's have your runner-up, please. Okay, my runner-up. Uh, it's Black Eyed Peas. And I have to say, I really do have a lot of... This is, there's a lot of hate here. It's actually, this is cathartic, Dave. Um, this is so what we do. One of the worst, I, I think, uh, since the early 80s when uh, people started getting into keyboards and didn't know how to use them and didn't know how to control the sounds and everything sounded awful, the worst period of production was the late 90s Early two thousands, uh, bringing trip hop 
into absolutely everything. And here's an example. What's funny about this is I I introed one of the I I introed the last one by saying the word garbage and then in my head I went oh god I hope people don't think I picked garbage who would pick garbage garbage are a great band I, I know you pick garbage and I was like oh look shit. what's happened <laughs> uh, this is a uh, garbage and it's a song uh, called um, oh shit it's perfect I think isn't it special sorry special, yeah. um, I. I you've come for Kid A and now you're coming for Shirley Manson. You're no, brave, man. Much big, my boy. <laughs> well, I mean, geez, look at that him, that's a good my boy. Like, uh, like three producers in a band. That is, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> that sounds like hell. But no. Um, so uh, what happened in the like late '90s, early 2000s was amazing albums were released by Portishead. Mezzanine was released, which was one of the best albums. Um, uh, um, it was released by, by Massive Attack, Massive Attack. Attack yeah. Tricky you know released yeah, some pretty good stuff uh, and then everyone said okay let's record some songs then gets, let's get a load of batteries put it in a biscuit tin and then just stand <laughs> behind the singer and they're like rattle the shit out of it and tons of songs have this awful <laughs> have this awful stapled on electro trip hoppy like it sounds like it's oh my god it sounds like you know when they used to do the sound effects for like m- m- mice in cartoons, like behind every song, and it's the most bolted on nonsense. It is ter- a glitchy nonsense. Surely there are more intrusive examples than this. Oh one, no, 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 there is. But th- this annoys me because I can tell. I listened to this album, and I was like, "There's actually probably a good album here," and I really like that melody. Do you have an opinion? When that comes in, boom! Oh, yeah. it's such a good melody. Really good. But I cannot. I cannot get away from the fact that someone is sh- shaking a biscuit tin full of batteries, like really close to the mic for like, you know, an hour's worth of music. It's it's so bad. Um, and you 2 did it a bit. They had uh, this kind of, you know, sounds in the back some t- around the time of pop and stuff like that, which was like, OK, it wasn't great. Uh, Garbage did it. I think they ruined that second album. So you're putting the blame... Even them squarely on like uh, Portishead, Mass Attack, or like like. No, do, I'm, I'm talking about. Do the Prodigy have a like? You know, yeah, would, would they be yeah. guilty well, it's, of it, it, what influence? It is, it's trend chasing. Yeah, it's trend oh yeah, chasing. Hundred percent by labels, by producers. It's the same with the Metallica thing. Like, it, like that's what this it, is. It's all this period, and yeah. the songs are all ruined. And like that album would have been a great straight rock album, except you know Butch Vig and the lads from Garbage had to put another 400 tracks on everything. <laughs> let's get, let's get like, you know. The more the merrier, you yeah, know. Yeah, let's get If there's like, more tracks, it's better. <laughs> no, like it's, the, it's, it's honestly, it ruined it. So everyone got in, like, no doubt, have a load of really weird, dancey, electro, electro trip hoppy, through every song over a period, the hella, Hella Good album? Hella Good, yeah. Oh, um, oh, I can't remember what the album was called. Yeah. Yeah. All Saints did it. Now, All Saints wasn't the wasn't the worst, but it kind of wrecked a few songs of theirs as well. I won't have a word, bad word said about William Orbit in this house, I'm afraid. Okay, well, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Get him to join Garbage. They need another producer. <laughs> that, uh, would have been a, that would have been very good, actually. Yeah, I'm surprised a, a, like, Adore by Smashing Pumpkins has some really good songs in it, and then it has five or six songs which just have, like, they just, you know, 
got the, uh, the, the, the synthesizer shop in and turned them all on at the same time. <laughs> uh, Adore. The Cardigans did it. Gorillas, mix, mix results with Gorillas. Uh, I love the album uh, Post by Bjork. Um, I was into it the other day and I was in the car and it was just like, you know, it was like someone had another, someone had put another album on, which was just like, tick, 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 you know, going on. It's it, it's annoying. Uh, it kind of wrecks that album a little bit. Radiohead, a bit. I think that's a bit of it. And that's why it led into this. I think there's a bit of it on, uh, on Kid A as well. Um, and apart from maybe Ray of Light, which I think it's kind of like Madonna got into it a bit as well. And he, I can't remember the producer. Willie Morbid. Morbid. Yeah, I, was, I presume it was. I knew it was Willie Morbid, but uh, I presume it was some chancer. So, uh, so there's like you know, it's good. It's quite good on Ray of Light, but almost all of the rest, like it morphed into this, you know, terrible scratchy nonsense. Adam like Shanahan, the floor is yours. I know exactly what it is. It's the it's the era of the breakbeat. Yeah, so it's like break. that Amen break, the famous Amen break. The dun dun gun, dun, 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 dun. They took that and they <laughs> fucking threw it everywhere. There's it a was Travis like, it was, song. It was a with, pandemic with trip hop beats in it. Like when Travis are doing it. No disrespect to Travis. Yeah, great lads, great bunch of lads. But sorry if they, like if you know, it's gone that far. Like you know, it's like come on. And it, but there was like so much of that from like way back when. I'm pretty sure there was one in a Bond team at one point. Um, yeah, like yeah. fucking, I don't, I don't even know, but like, even like favorite, uh, you know, I'm losing my favorite game. That song has it all. Yeah, in it, oh, absolutely. Cardigans went Card- for it as well. Yeah, but the thing about it is, is that like, it's it's date it dates it all loads. Yeah, it, does. it just it hasn't lasted, and you're kind of like you can see when, the boot cut jeans and yeah, the fucking bands leather are, gilets, and you know you can <laughs> see it all. Like I can see how are, everyone are, is dressed at the time. But you know when bands are like, you, like you're wrecking your own album by just like. You know, I, you've been recommended to do this. Like, you know, when, uh, when who, like, you know, Adore uh, from Smash Brothers, they had one of the best drummers in rock music, Jimmy Chamberlain. He left and they were like, okay, let's put some nonsense here instead. Let's of replace it. him with a drum machine. With the yeah. amen break, everybody. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. So, yeah. Like, there's a couple of songs on Adore that are good. Uh, there's a beautiful song. Uh, it's like, called Adore, yeah. Yeah, no, but there's one as well. I think it's one of the first songs. Ava on, Adore, sorry. Um, but anyway, there's loads of great songs on it, but there's loads of terrible drum beaty stuff it's, it's it's just it is one of my least favourite uh, um, periods of of music uh, of you know of my lifetime anyway that's fair um, I'm going to bring it down um, back to grim 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 territory now unfortunately for my number two an unavoidable one with a horrific story I'm sorry Okay, uh, maybe Adam, uh, play my number one there, please, as well.
wants to go first? Well, well Kieran hijacked you, me. So well, you were going to do your number one, and I. It's think my number two. So I, I still have one more. After okay, this. well, that's my number one. Okay, well, uh, you want to combine because the subject matter it's is yeah. Subject. Well, what I picked for my number two was Aaliyah, the sadly departed Aaliyah, who died at the age of twenty-two in a fucking plane crash. But uh, when she was much younger, uh, she released the song and the album "Age Ain't Nothing But a Number." Uh, in which she worked with Or Kelly when she was a teenager and he clearly took advantage in many, many ways despite lots of denials and, you know, it's just really fucked up. Aaliyah was shopped around, you know, by, like, family members, essentially. Like, you know, her uncle was an entertainment lawyer. She had talent and it was that thing of, like, we're going to get her a record deal, but she wound up in the fucking clutches of one of music's biggest scumbags and monsters and, you know, the rest is history. Uh, they were married when what was she was, like, 15, he was 27, and there was you know, denials of this, but it apparently happened. Uh, that's what I chose for number two, but you appear to have a mega mix of... Um, no, it's, 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 it's exactly what you're saying. It is... Underage it's, horror it's, is what we're... Oh, get, it's older here. musicians praying like on. singing about you know young girls and like um, so I mean the knack my Sharona always get it up for the touch of the younger kind um, uh, it's got obviously you're 16 you're beautiful in your mind um, that's a legal legal Ringo uh, and then um, uh, I was going to do age ain't nothing but a number and what was the, the third one yeah, the police. Oh, the police don't stand so close to me, which I, I just I think is a bizarre song, you know, written about when he was 22 and he was a teacher. You know, like, you know, this girl is half my age. Hold on a second, Sting. <laughs> like, you know, so like, what is it? These are the songs that, that age the worst. I think there was definitely a period where people, it seems like people uh, uh, didn't mind this. These songs are venerated. My songs are all massive hits. And that's why I was like, that's why they're, they're just, it's just bonkers. Uh, like, there's also songs like Lemon Incest by Serge Gainsbourg and his 12-year-old daughter, uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg. There is obviously Age Ain't Nothing But A Number. Like, it's non-stop. It's everywhere. And it's all, it goes right back. You can go as far back as you want. Girl, you'll be a woman soon. You know, young girl. You know, all of these songs. Like, what is it about people when they have success or whatever? They return to, like, uh, you know, maybe they don't have anyone telling them it's a terrible idea. And they return to the base thing of like you know like this kind of kind of it's kind of gross it's kind of icky as you said yeah but it's like it's so it's so weird and it's aged so badly this had to be like a fine one. milk I mean it's just I don't even know where like like, like the, the whole backstory to AJ number number in particular is just so grim I mean like it's just like uh, or Kelly and Leah worked on the record in Chicago during the summer while she was off from school for summer vacation you know, they, the pair would spend a lot of time hanging out by going to arcades and bowling. This would help the writing process because Kelly said it would write songs that fit her and what kids her age and her friends were talking about. I don't know. I can't even, like, I, like I read all this. I can't even really bring myself to just, like, talk about this because it's just, it's Or Kelly being a fucking monster. And, like, Aaliyah was such a talent and was about to be, she was, like, you know, she was on the verge of being a megastar when she died in a horrific accident. She's going to be, like, a movie star, all this kind of stuff. Has incredible songs out there in the world, you know. Um, but you think of, you know, are you that somebody? Try again, the wonderful try again. But like, it's just, it's, 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 it's an incredibly horrific story. Um, and, you know, Or Kelly, like, just denying everything forever, 
Probably. Yeah, we know that he's a, a massive creep, but like I'm more actually, than that, like it's, it goes way beyond. But you know just, what I mean? Like, like, it, like I'm really glad that you chose that because I was like, it, it has to be the 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 songs that age the most poorly. Like, it it has to be those type of songs because it feels predatory. You know, it, it feels, is. And also, how do they get through so many layers? Like, yeah, exactly. you've got to, you've got to play it to people. You've got to play it to musicians. You've got to play it to labels. You've got to play it to producers. You've got to you know play it to pluggers. You know. And all these songs, like, are people not going, well, that seems a bit weird, you know? I think there's, there's obviously, there's different levels, you know? Why, but, what, okay, well, like, why did the Beatles get away with it, for example? Because they get away with everything. But, like, I mean, like, why, why does no one go, hey, wait a minute? Yeah, but the Beatles have another song, uh, and I, can't, I think it's called R- Run You Down or something like that. Um, and it's like, you know, it reads awful now. Um, I, might, I, I might check that out, the Beatles song. But, like, I, I feel like everyone who gets any level of success you know maybe people just don't say don't say no to them or something like you know and like I think like for like I don't know the, the Aliyah one has, has added added so much in kind of retrospect because of you know what we know about R. Kelly Recent and everything events, else yeah. yeah but maybe at the time we were like oh it's cute you know uh, yeah and my songs like Ringo Starr being you know <laughs> post Beatles at this stage singing songs a bit you're 16 you're beautiful in your mind you know it's like at least creepy. Um, the My Sharona song always got me. I just kind of wrecked the song a little bit. Of it. Like you're singing it, you're like, you know, you're you're at the you're at the indie disco, and you, you know, you're singing it. And you're like, Ooh, that's a weird, that's a weird line. Yeah, I must confess as well. Like, girl, you'll be a woman soon is one that I've kind of never really focused in the lyrics of because I actually picked it for a top five recently because of its usage in Pulp Fiction by Urge Overkill the cover. Oh yeah, it, I like, just love the rhythm of it. I love the I kind of atmosphere song, of like, it. It's still like you're. You're not a woman at the moment, but soon you will. You're a girl, you know. I don't know yeah, just, not great. Um, how about we steer into my number one? That's which, what I was uh, going to say. Let's do it. Which, which, uh, well, I wonder not, what it is. Well, it, well uh, it's it's like I mean, like how could it not be this? And also, it's not taking us. It's taking us out of pedophile territory, but it's but but it is but it is bringing us into a horrific place as well. Uh, a song that recently turned ten, and I don't know. I, I just feel like I feel like people kind of for a little while with this were like this kind of rules, doesn't it? And then oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, is it? Yeah, of course it is. Oh of my course God. it is. Mike, I'll say it again. This is the worst song of all time in every aspect. <laughs> well, I, what was Pharrell up to? I'm like, going to disagree with one element of this because, and just bear with me, please, listener. It is, of course, Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke featuring Pharrell and T.I. It can't be the worst song of all time because it fucking rips off Marvin Gaye. Got to give it up. Okay, that's why. Well, maybe, that's go, why. You got a good point. Maybe it's. Uh, well then if it's fair maybe it's one of the best songs that glorifies rape culture well see this is the thing it's like and I remember this coming out and I remember like for a while it was kind of all quiet in the western front people were like you know the song is fucking class man that video is so cool who's that girl and then eventually people were just like wait a minute this is (laughs) this song is no (laughs) like uh, uh, but but again from a musical rhythmic you know hypnotic burrow into your brain point of view it's the fucking beat from Got to Give It Up. So your brain is automatically in a good mood. That's 
one of the greatest songs ever yeah, I'll constructed. Give you that. I'll give you that. Yep. So if you're going to use that as the basis for your rape anthem, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> well, it is. Oh, no. This is what it is. What and again, I, I, and I'm sorry to be flippant. I'm not looking to be flippant, but you can't talk about this song without getting into that stuff. And I'm oh, not, no, it, it is. We're it not, not going to go harder than that. But I mean, I'm it's just saying. Awful. Like, you know. Yeah, it's so creepy and awful. But I, I love there's a description of this song uh, and it's... <laughs> It's it, at the review it, 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 when it was reviewed. The first time it was reviewed, it was described as a smug turd of a pop tune. <laughs> It'll do it. That I mean, really, that's a that's a kick below the knee, isn't it's it? It's not like, even just a turd. It's a smug turd. Yeah, that's well, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to trace. Enough. I'm trying to trace the point. I feel like it took a couple of months. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe there are people who on, on, on like it came out in March of twenty of twenty thirteen, and I, I like I don't. I could be misremembering, and I found it hard to try and trace the timeline in terms of people reacting to it. And, you know, punishing it, basically, and being like, wait a minute. I don't think it was instant. I, I really don't think it was immediate. I remember this was just everywhere for a while. And it was people, a massive hit, and then huge the reaction hit. happened. But I think it's mad how Pharrell got away with... This is the thing. Because, like, again, like... like, 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 like Anti, I mean, however you feel about Robin Thicke, like, punishment occurred... Career over. Who the hell is Robin Thicke? Like, where did he'd he been from? around? He'd been around. He was I feel. I like, felt like a strictly American thing, and then this was a, this was an international hit. But you know, Pharrell, who has very much been like, oh yeah, you know, nothing to do with me. It's like, no, no, you're in the studio in the video. Probably has more culpability than one might think. So is Ti, and yet you know, it's like whatever you think about Robin Thicke, they hurled that man under the bus and ran a mile. They absolutely did. And, and rushed him from the curb and under the bus. And it's like. hilarious. That it, like, so I think... <laughs> it's 100% on you, buddy. Good night. It was just like, him, okay. They, they left him in the dirt with that one. But also, didn't he come back with like... Yes. A really embarrassing... Uh, uh, don't, don't tell me he came back we and he did an apology the album. Yes. Something's really kind of... It was, oh. it was his It was his divorce core uh, entry into that wonderful genre. What was it? The, it it's the, called Paula. Paula, and it was about his... Paula Patton, who he cheated ex- on. His ex-wife, And yes. it basically was like, you know, songs like Take Me Back or whatever, and like, she did not. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I think he out. still has a career. I think he's he's been on like The, the Voice or the something. Voice, yeah, um, he's a voice but this judge, song, yeah. this song, like, you know, once, once people kind of jumped in and went, no, uh, that went very far. I mean, like, charities, like, you know, uh, that raise awareness about all this kind of bad stuff were like, no, no, can't have this. It was banned at like, so many universities across, like, the UK for a while. That was kind of, like, you know, a big thing about it. Lots and lots of written pieces about it. And, yeah, it just like it it it's, it's, it went from there, but like, the song is still like it's not like a band from the radio. Like you like you'll, you'll not never hear it, you know. It's yeah, but like like I mean, the thing about it is, I think like there's there's always been crap songs, and there's always been Pharrell initially defended it. By the way, just so you know, he said oh, no Pharrell. Please. He told NPR there was nothing misogynistic about it, and he was grateful to everyone that supported the song. He also said, nothing controversial about the song. I uh, appreciated how it helped Robin Thicke get to a place where he deserves to be vocally. I ho- I want to know the timeline between that and the backtrack. He said in October 2019 to GQ, he didn't get it because he thought women enjoyed the song and connected to its energetic spirit. Um, then said he realised there are men who use that same language when taking advantage of a woman. He said he did not act or think like that. He only cared about how it affected women. It opened his mind to what was actually being sung in the song and how it could make a person feel. He concluded by mentioning he realised that we live in a chauvinist culture in our country. Hadn't realised that. Didn't realise that some of my songs catered to that. So there we go. 
a learning moment for Pharrell um, six years after the song yeah, was released far too late like, six and a half years after the song here, came here's, out. A, here's a, another review and numerous numerous pieces were written about it by uh, Rolling Stone says the sound of Adam Sandler taking a falsetto hate piss on <laughs> Marvin Gray's Marvin Gaye's grave yeah I'll do it um, Emily Ratajkowski became a star off the back of the video uh, but she said that she was sexually harassed uh, during the filming of it um, so that's nice uh, I do have a, a clip from her though uh, speaking on Howard Stern I think when her book came out a couple of years ago so let's you know she's she's talked in many ways about it where she's like I don't want to see the video anymore but she's said that you know apart from, you know, she said that she's got Mixed feelings on it, I think. And this clip goes some way to summing it up. I had a great time on that set in general. And I think that's a part of this experience that kind of people have a hard time wrapping their head around is that I both had a great time and also this moment happened, you know, where I felt humiliated and blah, blah, blah. But it was actually, I think, kind of the, what I remember, and again, this is, I don't go too far into the, in the book because I don't want to, um, you know, put my thoughts onto someone else. I don't know what he was thinking, but I remember that all the women, everybody, we'd been alone just kind of like shooting our project. It's what it felt like. And he came on to set and um, he felt, I felt like he was annoyed that he wasn't getting more attention. This was kind of his big moment. You know, Pharrell, T.I. were in this video, but it was his song. And I remember him kind of feeling, I don't know, like a little bit like, hey, what about me? And um, that's when that moment happened. So, like, I mean, like, again, in picking this for songs that age badly, like, I mean, this age badly, like, the day it was released. But I'm just wondering, like, you know, I'm wondering, like, did it get a pass for a while? You know, did, and does it still? Like, do people still, you know, comes on at a party, maybe, possibly? I can't remember the last time I've heard this, like, out in the public domain. Mm. And that's not just saying it for the sake of a mic being in front of me. I genuinely can't. Remember, I don't know. Can you, or as a, as a person who's on the radio, Kieran? Well, I, I, yeah, um, I can't imagine radio. Radio knows I know you haven't. Yeah, <laughs> like, chosen for any playlist recently. Yeah, uh, I actually, you know, I just think it's like it's kind of fun. Like it's just it's funny. Like there's so many people who don't listen to lyrics at all. I think it took a while because, like, for example, like I'm looking at a Guardian piece now, right? That was written uh, on like on the 13th of November 2013. So the song would have been out at that point by. Six months. But it was also a massive summer song, so it would have been nearly uh, the following nearly, summer, probably what, what, eight, eight months. Eight months. Eight months. Yeah, I'm bad at maths. Um, and it was like and, and the most controversial song of the decade. Another student union has banned Robin Thicke's party track. How did it become such a lightning rod for moral outrage and censorship? So, so I don't think it was overnight. I do think it took the summer and beyond that, and it took a lot of people kind of coming against it. But like. Yeah, I don't know. And again, like I don't go to clubs, but like I guess if it came on in a bar, I wouldn't be surprised, you know. Because again, as Kieran says, the lyrics thing—it's like <clears throat> it's it's that fucking beat, and that you're like, and again, if I've had a fucking like seven points and this comes on, I'm probably gonna first of all hope that it's the Marvin Gaye song. But like, and I'm probably gonna be like, I mean, that fucking beat though. I mean, like, I, I'm not, you know, this is me endorsing the use yeah. of the song. But I, I feel like it's probably still played by DJs. Yeah, I like, I, I see your point, and it was like what you're saying about the fact that like people don't care about lyrics is like. There's, just, there's a lot of people who just don't. It's like, so irresponsible. I don't think I he's apologised. I'm looking for. I've googled Robin Thicke apology bird lines and I can't find one. <laughs> I think well, he just. I think he just like vanished. You know, he was fucking sent to the. Just had he was sent to the fucking shadow zone. To the, mu- the music gulag. <laughs> and it was just like that's it. Shadow, like, shadow zone for you, pal. <laughs> Good night. I feel like I feel like you know uh, you know 
we've 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 got uh, we've got this far. <clears throat> we've got to number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of this is just. I think I feel like I'm saying to think a lot. <laughs> it's just not people aren't paying attention with all this stuff, you know. Well, they did eventually with this one, and and it wasn't you know a twenty years later thing. But again, you know, you're talking about you know you're like it's you know it's the it's the summer of 2013, the spring and summer of 2013, and it's like it wasn't that long ago. And this was as you know as we say a fucking hit. <laughs> oh no, it was. Um, I didn't really realize this. It broke the record for the largest radio audience in history. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me, given it. That's like the, given how omnipresent it was. Back there definitely then, are, yeah. and there definitely are like counter arguments. There definitely is like it's not, you know. Yeah, it's just I it's just know. a bit of fun. I think the lyrics are they speak for themselves. I wish it didn't have the beat. If it didn't have the beat, there wouldn't be a single part of me that it, I'd be like, it wouldn't have a leg to stand on. Like the yeah. beat's unbelievable. It's no, it is. It's great. And again, weren't they sued into oblivion for it? Like you know? absolutely massively, and it's just <laughs> so it's like, like it's they're... beyond belief. Like I think it was the first the most litigious estates ever. But I also believe it was like <laughs> one of the first big lawsuits that the Marvin Gaye estate took. It also feels like like this song went wrong in every capacity. It's like the fucking Ark of the Covenant. It was like, don't let that out of the studio. <laughs> You know, like, what the hell? It destroyed so much bank balances, careers. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, people's, you Public know. Public opinion, yeah. But you yeah. know, it must be one of the biggest falls of a song. Because, you know, like, to go from the, the biggest to launch highest you, highs. To, yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah. to internationally launch you and then immediately to be like, see ya. Immediately cancel you to the point of, like, never being played again and your career is dead and you're crying on records for, you know. And yeah. Has he gone religious? I, I feel like he might have, you know, I don't know. Going religious is a good move at this point, I think, yeah. He could be all like, I'm religious, it's good. Yeah, I'm contrite now. Yeah. And I think I think there was lots of, you know, well, I was on a lot of drugs, you know, like, you know, and we're all, you know, but again, we all partied, we all partied <laughs> as they say. What Robin Thicke should actually do is he should Even do, his name, he should do a version of Turning Japanese, he should do Do They Know It's Christmas, and then he should do a full <laughs> note by note version of Kid A. Yeah, and also that Motley Crue song. And that terrible I mean, par for the chorus, wouldn't it? It would, uh, yeah. it would seem. You gotta double down, you know? Fucking hell. I mean... I feel I feel horrible after this stuff. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I feel like yeah, I feel like I got a weight off my shoulders. But I would say, like, I mean, like the thing about this podcast is, I think from a Sonic point of view, it only ages greatly because I got Sonic Archetype Adam to make everything, even the most horrific content, sound sublime, like a fine wine disguised in I, I don't know no it is it's it's great no, no, no. Yeah. Where, where were you going to go We've I have no idea We've broken Adam I, I'm not as good I am not as good as as Dave at these things so I'm trying my best but, skill uh, it takes yeah, years I'm trying, years I'm trying to like learn it via osmosis of just being in the same room as yeah. him and again just to clarify like you know if we were if we were chuckling away and any of that kind of stuff I think it's more the surreal nature it's, of these yeah, things it is. It's none the, of this was endorsement these are you know with the exception of you know in the grim ones you're like these are fucking you know like they didn't age well. That's just the... That was the brief. <laughs> Songs that didn't age well. I think we completed it. Kieran did say, though, that he... Uh, for uh, Maybe for maybe, maybe the next time he comes on, you did say that you have uh, you have a songs that aged well. Uh, yeah, I do. Well, um, well, there was... Well, I don't know if a full list. There's a lot of 90s hip-hop, which is still unbelievable. And if <laughs> you do, it's a list of that. I'll be in. Kieran, uh, thank you very much. For, for finally guesting on the show thank you again, very much it's for been some me. time. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Everyone, go listen Pleasure. to everyone. Go listen to Driven Snow. Everyone, go listen to Delorentos. Everyone, go listen to Kieran's radio show on Nova Radio Nova every Sunday. The Nova guest list from six to nine on Sundays. Anything else to plug? Um, uh, no. Just be nice to each other, guys. Just be nice to each other. Don't listen to Kid A. It's fucking. Shit. I'm gonna listen to Kid A. 
I'm going to go back and listen to Kid A. And I'm gonna Adam, to, I'm gonna Adam is going to listen to Kid A. I'm going to be ostracized on the Instagram account for this. It's at No Encore Show on Instagram, by it the is, way, yeah, guys. Follow us, follow us. And it's patreon.com slash No Encore if you want to help support the show. I greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's the show this week, everybody. Um, I hope it wasn't too gross, but, you know, it's, it's it, you know, there's, 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 just, there's lots of gross things out there. Goodbye. <laughs> my name is Dave Hanreddy. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And boy, did I trip over my words there. Stay safe out there, everybody. Enjoy the summer. <laughs> We're back next week. Enjoy the summer. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.